Full credit to the boys is brought to you using quality microphones and interfaces from Rode Microphones. Australian owned and operated, Rode products are world-class audio equipment. If you're creating a podcast or making music, you need Rode on your side. Rode Microphones, exclusive audio sponsor of Full Credit to the Boys. This week on Full Credit to the Boys, the Broncos unravel, John Hopawati named as Richmond Tigers advisor, and SAS soldier and author Bram Connolly swings by. Welcome to Full Credit to the Boys. Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Full Credit Boys live from the Craig Gower Quarantine Studios. You can find us on Twitter at FCTTB underscore podcast, Instagram, FCTTB podcast, or one word. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at former underscore legend, or search the hashtag Fijian Flyer trademark. You can find the bloke to my right on Twitter at Sid Punts. He's a man who this week revealed how he was bullied by Ellen DeGeneres. He has called Scott Morrison to not ban TikTok as he reached 20 followers this week. And tonight, he's wearing a Metallica t-shirt. Welcome, Sid. Yes, well, thank you, former. Hello, Australia. Hello, Metallica fans. (laughs) We caused a lot of controversy last week, former, with our segment on most overrated bands. I've had hate mail all week. (laughs) So I just want to clarify my comments for all the metalheads out there. The whole segment was about a survey of most overrated bands of all time. At no point did I say that Metallica were overrated. I said they were shit. <laughs> this is Brian Henderson. I'm Alan Jones. I'm Lee Chin. This is Kent Brockman. I'm on Burgundy. The stories that will hit the headlines tomorrow. Yeah, first story comes from the Tennyson Telegraph, and it's a naked man is forced to chase a wild boar after it snatched his laptop at a naturist hotspot in Germany. This is a great story. What year did we stop calling nudist places uh, nudist places and start calling naturists? Naturists. That's a good point. That's crook. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's a fair bit of bushland around here from what I've seen of naturists. Uh, a series of snapshots caught the hilarious moment. A naturist ran naked through a park in order to chase down a wild boar that had stolen his laptop. I mean, if I was uh, at a nudist colony, said I'd be thinking, uh, why didn't I bring my laptop? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm willing to tip that uh, it wasn't the only pig there, Sid. Uh, the unnamed man had been sunbathing in Tefaluse, a, a lake west of Berlin, on uh, on Wednesday evening before being, being embroiled in the un- unexpected encounter. A boar, which is common in German uh, in the German capital, snatched one of the nudist's bags, forcing him to run after it in front of dozens of bemused visitors. There are several beaches and lakes through Germany which allow people to swim or sunbathe without clothes as part of the Frickin' Porker, uh, which yeah, is... Is that how you pronounce that? Uh, Frickor Polkultur, uh, which is free body culture. Uh, in the pictures, a naked middle-aged man can be seen striding after the tenacious wild boar <laughs> and its two piglets as they made their way across the grassy meadow. Uh, from the pictures too, said it must have either been a really chilly day 
or he stuck an acorn in front of his old fellow because <laughs> um, the boar had a small yellow bag clenched in its mouth, which it later transpired contained the man's laptop. Yeah, the man had a small yellow bag as well. <laughs> More pink, but sure. Uh, Dozens of bemused families watched the naturist before the man was eventually able to retrieve his belongings. Uh, In January 2019, Denmark even began erecting a 43.4-mile wall. Build a wall. Build a wall. Along its border with Germany in a bid bid to keep out wild boars and Mexicans. Uh, The move was (laughs) aimed at preventing the spread of African swine fever, which could have put the country's pork industry at risk. Well, it would be a disaster for Germany if their pork industry was decimated. They love a good wiener in (laughs) Germany. And this fat nudist didn't look like he had a very good wiener. But there is nothing funnier than a fat guy with man boobs in the nude chasing a pig. We don't see it often enough, former. But uh, I've actually you got... Bucks Day, you probably... <laughs> That's true, at Randwick Racecourse. But anyway, uh, but we have uh, exclusive footage. All that was seen were a few snapshots, but uh, I managed to get the audio of when this guy took off after his wild boar. <laughs> Look, the kids got bosoms! <laughs> Um, you got to wonder what was on that laptop former <laughs> that was so important to that German guy. Why was he so desperate to retrieve it? Uh, this next story comes from the Bateman's Bay Bugle. Uh, Wednesday night in small town Florida, deputies find cockfighting, cocaine and a kid. Mad. 14 people were arrested at gambling and cockfighting function. That's right, cockfighting. And it's not what you think about two blokes standing over a piss trough having cross swords. Oh, what uh, is this? In central Florida, according to the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Uh, They're all charged with attending the fighting of animals, illegal gambling, and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Now, look, I know we're not allowed to travel due to COVID, but uh, when the borders open, former, we're going to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) This is our kind of place. Well, deputies responded to a mobile home late Wednesday evening and discovered men gambling at a table. They also noticed a 10-year-old boy, bags of cocaine on the table, and what appeared to be evidence of cockfighting, media release says. All 14 people arrested said that the coke and the fighting birds belonged to the 10-year-old boy. Um, (laughs) We received a call for service regarding a cockfighting event and found so much more, including a small child in the presence of cocaine and firearms, said Polk Sheriff County Grady Judd. This is uh, egregious. 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 Sorry. It's an English word. This is egregious (laughs) on several levels. I'm glad. I think, uh, as Aaron Mullen said, ooga booga booga booga. (laughs) I'm glad we're able to shut this down. Uh, But if you do want to bet on cockfighting, Sid. Yeah. Bet Australian, bet with Bluey at bluebet.com.au or download the app today. Now, detect, detectives acquired a search warrant for the property where they later, later found seven dead roosters, or as I know them, losers, uh, about 25 yards away from the gambling table, a scale for roosters to weigh in, and chairs for spectators. Uh, a dismantled fighting ring was discovered, the inside and the sides of which were covered with fresh feathers. All those arrested said the fresh feathers from when the 10-year-old, uh, 10-year-old pillow, because he wanted to have a pillow fight. Yeah, Investigators, it's all circumstantial evidence. <laughs> Investigators lost his tumble across a shed containing rubber boxing gloves, <laughs> knives, uh, and performance-enhancing gro- drugs. Are they like little... Uh, rooster boxing gloves. Well, I'll just go. You know, I think they. I don't know yeah, because mad. rubber boxing gloves, knives, and performance enhancing drugs. I'm pretty sure that's the um, St. Mary's show back from the Royalist to show. 
<laughs> All used in various aspects of cockfighting. That bloody 10-year-old. A nearby metal trash bin uh, held the charred remains of numerous roosters. What, say, we turn the oven up a bit high. See, that's not a crime, is it? No, it's not a crime. It's uh, all circumstantial, that's what t- I'm saying. A total of 481 roosters and chickens were removed from the property. What? Is it legal to make some money off selling eggs now? You wouldn't think so. Um, detectives also confiscated... i sure how many eggs you get out of 481 <laughs> roosters. But anyway. Detectives also confiscated a loaded AK-47, tall-gauge shotgun, uh, and a trafficking amount of cocaine. Might be in a little bit of trouble Starting to get tricky yeah. now. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> need a better lawyer. Jonathan Samuth, who lived on the property, told detectives that a cockfight had taken place. 14 people said, shut up, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> earlier followed by Just the... blame the 10-year-old. ...gambling with the dice. Uh, Samuth, 32, faces several charges, including armed trafficking, owning animals for fighting, and the possession of paraphernalia, according to uh, the police. Jail records show Samuth... Uh, posted his $53,000 bond. That's right. Um, a lot of money in cockfighting. All in $5 notes, apparently. Uh, <laughs> a review of his criminal record yielded a prior aggravated assault conviction in 2013. The boy was given back to his parents, who were neighbours of yeah. Samuth, but they weren't there. <laughs> this is fantastic. This is a great neighbourhood. Hey, Mum, can I go over the neighbour's house? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Your dad and I want to watch the project. Yeah. Just go hang out at Jonathan's for a bit. Great parenting. But uh, Florida is the gift that just keeps on giving for me. Much like my Beck Jugs update, I should probably do a Florida update. Uh, these are three of my favourite headlines from Florida. Florida man turns himself in for murdering his imaginary friend. <laughs> Apparently drugs were involved there. No. <laughs> man who exposed himself tells police, I was just airing out my penis. It's a good excuse. <laughs> And chasing a pig with a laptop. And this has to be the worst case of getting on the Persian rugs and uh, <laughs> making b- poor decisions. Florida man arrested for impersonating Nickelback drummer. <laughs> Dead set when the airports reopen, former, we are going to Florida. I'm just going to read you this story. I've got, a, well, I've got an admission to make. Okay. This is from the Kempsey Chronicle. Influencer slammed for a ridiculous job listing, job listing seeking a personal assistant. Mm-hmm. An influencer has been shamed online after their advert for a personal assistant containing a ridiculous list of responsibilities left people saying they would rather die than take the role. The anonymous advert states the lucky successful candidate will be working for a large celebrity with more than 10 million social media followers. Is followers. That, a, is that a fat celebrity? Well, we'll get to that before setting out the daunting expectations for the role. It states the personal assistant will work eight hours a day on the property but most, or, must also be on call 24-7 and be able to remove emotion, be the bad guy and handle hundreds of small tasks at once. Uh, day-to-day tasks include waking up the influencer each morning with coffee and all other requests, planning and managing their calendar activities, cooking, cleaning, and once the pandemic is over, be ready to travel anywhere. This sounds pretty good. Well, to apply, you must have your own car, be ready to drive the large celebrity uh, wherever they need to be, mm-hmm. while also packing and unpacking their belongings constantly after travel. Sounds like they're large celebrity. Sounds like a fat person. <laughs> Being able to... Rebel Wilson, you're thinking? Um, being able any names. To, being able to compartmentalise emotion and remain quiet at all times is a must and working hours are flexible, but you should be able to be with the client all the time in the part-time role. <laughs> you'll be given minimal, minimum days off and in return with a staggering list of responsibilities, you'll be paid 25 to 30 an hour. I uh, just did the math, Sid. Yep. 25 to 30 an hour is actually 
25 to 30 an hour more than I'm on right now. So um, <laughs> that is true. But uh, I want to uh, I want to make an admission. Yeah, that's my ad. Really? Uh, yeah. Look, I might have. You are pretty large. I put some <laughs> cream on the cake, if you know what I'm saying. I yeah. might have, you know. Added large added. man rather than large celebrity. Well, the anonymous advert, I'll go through it again. The anonymous advert states the lucky and successful candidate will be working for a large celebrity with more than 10 million <laughs> social media. Potentially, I've got 10 million social oh, media yeah, followers. Of yeah. Um, it states the PA will work eight hours a day. It'll be more than that. But also be on call 24-7. That's more likely. Yeah. Uh, be able to remove emotion, be the bad guy, and handle hundreds of small tasks at once. This is basically the job I do every week. Well, hundreds of small tasks at once. Probably start with washing all those single socks under my bed. <laughs> Day-to-day tasks include waking up the influencer, that's me, each morning with coffee and a wristy, uh, <laughs> and all other requests, uh, planning and managing their ac- calendar activities, cooking, cleaning, the toilet, and once the pandemic is over, be ready to travel anywhere at any time, mostly TABs and Tempe strippers. But, you know, yeah. to, be, to apply, you must have your own car. Uh, prefer something registered and roadworthy. Uh-huh. Um, be able to compartmentalise emotion, remain quiet at all times. I mean, surely that's a must anyway. Um, and 25 to 30, look, it's more down the $20 okay. dollar a day sort of. Well, basically, I fit this description. This is exactly what I do oh, right. each week, being your mate. <laughs> but I'm not getting the 25 to 30 an hour. Well, it's your own toilet you're washing. So. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I was going to put an ad out to be my assistant former. It would involve assistant to an assistant. Yeah, not yeah, unheard of. As it turns out, <laughs> it's like a small government department. <laughs> it, would, <laughs> it would involve waking me up at midday with yep. a, with a can of VB early, playing uh, Powderfinger and Metallica songs on high rotation in the studio, uh, getting yelled at and lectured <laughs> because your taste in music is rubbish. <laughs> you would have to tune my bass guitar. It's only four strings, so it's not that hard. But I do have fourteen of them. But still, easy job so far. Two dollars an hour. You're getting collect some trolleys at IGA a few hours a day to cover that off for me. <laughs> then uh, come and wake me up from my nap. Yep. Um, write some lame dick jokes for something I do on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, so go to our website, website fullcreditpodcast.com. Send us an email forward slash jobs with your full resume and credentials. Um, if you want to apply for former's assistant role or the assistant to the assistant, <laughs> my role. Send us an email. I might make this a new segment as well. Well, that's right. And just going back to one of those things where they said, what'd you say? You get squared out a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people who have worked with Ellen would be uh, able to, oh, yeah. able to uh, apply? There's probably a few candidates there. If, actually, while I think about it, if I'm going to do this new segment, uh, you also have to be able to write a jingle because <laughs> I can't be asked. <laughs> and Google Beck Jugs. <laughs> Yeah, round 13 of the NRL of 2020 uh, scorched by, and it was started on Thursday night when the Roosters, a patched-up Roosters, was too strong for the Dragons, yes. 24-16. Uh, the Roosters' side were missing $3 million worth of talent, Sid. Yeah. Um, still had $12 million on display. Um, plenty of, uh, Still proved to be too good for the St. George Illawarra Dragons, winning down there at Coke Cockwash Stadium in a five-tries-to-three display that keeps them within touchy distance of the top four. After the game, Dragon super coach Mary McGregor lamented the selfishness of Kangaroos prop Paul Vaughan, who was suspended for two weeks due to a biosecurity breach on Thursday. Paul Vaughan doesn't care what you say, Mary. 
or as or as they know him at the coffee shop, Vol Porn. Um, <laughs> the loss leaves the uh, Dragons needing to win all six of their remaining matches. Wouldn't think so uh, to make the finals, including games against the Storm. Eels and the Raiders. Well, here's a scoop former. You heard it here first. St. George won't do that. They will not make the eight this year. That's what you're here for, the big They course. will not win all six of their remaining games. But $3 million were out of this Roosters team this week. It's unbelievable. Keep a note of that figure, everyone, because <laughs> when those players come off contract, it will free up $8 million for their salary cap. But in all fairness, it uh, is a big list of players that are out for the Roosters. And if St. George... We're going to have any chance of making the top eight. It was it needed to start this week against an understrength Roosters side. They were missing Josh Morris, Warrior Hargraves, Brett Morris, Crichton, the Sad Clown, Tupo, Cordner, Radley, Verrills. Yet they still beat the Dragons. Mm-hmm. Well, Roosters stalwart Mitch Orbison was there on display on uh, Thursday night, and it was his three hundredth NRL game, and he did it in style, proving he one of the best on field. Now, he started in the centres, uh, the old Roosters Mr. Fix-It, and he scored a try and also finished with 17 tackles, 106 running metres, 44 of those post-contact, one line break and four tackle busts. Yeah. Here's an interesting part to Mitch Orbison's uh, career. Yes. All his milestone games, 50th, 100th, 150th, 200 and 250th, he lost. But he's 300th, he won. Yeah, he'd be cheering that he's coming up against the Dragons. <laughs> Finally gets a win on a milestone game. You think we're a chance. It was uh, fantastic to see great club man like Orbison score in his 300th game as well. A milestone that has always been the pinnacle of rugby league, 300 games. Uh, until a few years ago, not many players had reached that milestone. Mm. There are now 38 players that have reached the 300 club. Right? Yeah. But... Uh, there's even fewer that have done it at only one club. Who's your uh, worst 300, bottom five of those 300 players to make for? John Morris. <laughs> <laughs> like, no offence, but he did play three. Not taken. He did play 300 games. Good on him. But uh, he's in some amazing, uh, he's up there with some amazing names. Like there's uh, Cameron Smith, 423 mm. games, mm. all at one club. Darren Lockyer. 355 games all at one club. Mm. Uh, now, now, now in his process of ruining that club. There's uh, Nathan Hindmarsh, 330 games. Jason Croker, 318. Simon Mannering, 301 for the Warriors. Mm. Amazing effort. So congratulations, Mitch Orbison, playing 300 games. You've now matched Johnny Morris. And all for the one club, a great achievement. And he should go on to beat Luke Rickardson at 301, and then Anthony Minicello's mark at the Roosters, 302 games. And is Minicello the leader at the moment? Yeah, so okay. he'll be the all-time Roosters player. Oh, good on him. In a few weeks. After the game, Dragons lock Jackson Ford was hit with a grade three tripping charge by the NRL judiciary. Sick name. And accepted a two-match suspension with the early guilty plea. Uh, the incident happened as he came across to try and stop Luke Keary scoring the final Roosters try of the night. Ford used what basically looked like a sliding soccer tackle to try and stop the Roosters 5-8. It wasn't the only action which uh, caught the judiciary's attention. Roosters winger Ryan Hall came under scrutiny from the match review committee after suggestions he may have purposely twisted Zach Lomax's heavily strapped knee on Thursday night. Yeah, look, I've got no time for any player tripping other players. It's weak and that trip was pretty bad. No drama with a suspension there. But Lomax's effort on Ryan Hall... I've got absolutely no drama with. Hall took the field with strapping all up and down that leg that just screams to me, twist here, 
But we'll see what happens there. The uh, You just do what we used to do. Mm-hmm. Strap the other leg. Yeah, that's true. Always strap the leg that's okay. <laughs> it's an old rule. In this game, the Dragons were good in parts, but uh, they just didn't take their opportunities. And the they Roosters... They were good in parts, but, mate, but look at what they were playing. Oh, well, exactly. The Roosters, even so under strength, were just too good. Uh, typical... When I said, all right, they're going to flog St. George and let's put Tedesco three tries. Then nine players pulled out. I know. Thank you very much. I know, yeah. But, uh, all if, of a sudden, you're 17 to, 17 to 1. Should have went to uh, 70 to 1. I was blowing up a treat. But anyway, surprise, surprise me. Rough punt didn't get up. <laughs> but uh, if you take out Duffman and Lomax out of the St. George team, it really changes their attack and doesn't give them much. And to think the coach didn't want to pick either of them at the beginning of the season. And I'm not sure Zach Lomax will be there next year if we're on the streets right now. He'll look good in a Tigers jersey. <laughs> he might be in a different time zone. Um, Interesting. The Friday night, the first game, saw the Warriors upset the Seagulls 26 points to 22. Now, despite having to play 20 minutes of this game with just 12 players on the field due to sin bins to Carl Lawton, and Jack Hetherington, the Warriors have stunned the Seagulls with a five tries to four victory in pouring rain at Legoland. It was the first time this year the Warriors have won two games on the trot, and the same time uh, the loss for the Manly side kept them outside of the top eight, stranded on just 12 points. Yeah, it was a horror start for the Manly side. First of all, I tipped them. <laughs> then off the kickoff. It's a tough to come back from that. <laughs> then off the kickoff, Cherry. Like, like starting 20 down. Exactly. <laughs> and running into a win. <laughs> then after. Howling. Uh, straight, anyway, then straight off the kickoff. <laughs> One of them wins where if you drop it out. It comes Cherry back Evans you. was bundled into touch. It was a great try from Herbert that got the Warriors into an early lead. Then a kick from Harris Tavita stunned the locals and Ellie Katoa scored again for the Warriors. And after Jennings scored in the 17th minute, the Manly side were absolutely ambushed. They fought back, but the Warriors were always in control, I thought. Now, this game was Des Hazel's 400th, 400th as an NRL coach. And it started um, with every car in the northern beaches flashing their lights and beeping their horn at Des on his way to the game after his kids secretly put a sign on the back of his car to tell everyone to wish him luck. Is that true? Yeah. Mad. However, his humour would have been tested early as he started without Tom Travojevic, Joel Thompson, Dylan Walker and Curtis Sirenen and then lost both of his starting props, Marty Tapao and Northern Beaches solicitor firm, Adam Fanua and Blake. This all happened just after I tipped them. <laughs> <laughs> At halftime, it was an animated Hazlitt in the sheds, absolutely giving it to his team as they ended the first half down 20 points to 10. And while they were the better side in the second 40, they couldn't bridge the gap, leaving Dez with a record for 230 wins and 169 losses as a coach. Fun fact, zero losses, sorry, zero draws as a coach, but six as a player. Yeah, that's not a fun fact. That's a boring stat. <laughs> but uh, the Manly side is without troops, let's be fair. No one can deny that. But they were expected to win this one at Brookie. But uh, home ground advantage means dick all in 2020. Well, there's no shame in losing the Warriors too. Good teams have lost the Warriors this year. Such as? Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was about to say. The Warriors, having been played into form by the Tigers last week. <laughs> Put on 26 points. The Warriors, as you mentioned, lost Carl Lawton to the sin bin and then later lone player Jack Hetherington to the bin for a high shot on Marty Tapao. Look, we've always wanted to do that, all of us. <laughs> wanted to hit Marty Tapao high. But they were still good enough to beat the Sea Eagles in a game that sees Manly drop down to ninth position. That's a crucial loss for them. I'd rather hit Marty Tapao high than take him on in a bench press competition. That's for yeah, sure. you've got to hit him high and run. <laughs> um it was a mixed. When is a when is a head high? Been ten minutes in the bin. 
Yeah, it was a... That's not a professional foul. What are you suggesting? He should have been sent? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Or just put on report? A lot of people are saying he should have been sent. Didn't He got weeks for it. Yeah, he did in the end. I I think that was actually changed a season or two ago that they can use the bin for stuff like that. Well, I don't agree with that. Because the issue was if it's not a send-off and all you do is get on report, then there's not a big enough punishment. 20 examples where that is a send-off, that exact tackle. Yeah. Oh, I don't oh. disagree with you, but... Uh, it was a mixed night for Manly captain Daly Cherry Evans. Things started in the worst fashion for the uh, Manly half as he was pushed into touch from the opening kickoff. However, he was quick to atone for his early error, putting uh, Moses Suli over in the 30th minute and tried hard to get his team uh, to the win. He finished with 14 tackles, two try assists, uh, 77 running metres, a line break and two tackle busts. Yeah, anyone that can make Moses Sully look good is all right in my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> he, uh, I'll sleep <laughs> He tried all night, DCE, but um, good work from the Warriors. They're a team patched together, as we say, every week with lone players, a filling coach, yet they've won two in a row. I found it bizarre that uh, Ivan Judas Cleary was asked in his press conference about Hetherington facing a suspension. Mm. He's a lone player from the Panthers, but it's got nothing to do with Judas. But there was a lot of strange things happening in Judas's press conference. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll cover off on that a bit later. The second game on Friday night. Uh, sort and of... Just on that, it looks like they're going to recall Jack Hetherington whilst he's on suspension. They're yeah, bringing, him, yeah. bringing him home. Uh, the second game on Friday night saw the Rabbitohs. Too good for the Broncos, 28 points to 10. Uh, it was a comprehensive win for the Bunnies, who were rarely troubled by a pretty insipid Broncos side, scoring four tries to two and leading for much of the night. While Wayne Bennett was watching from home in his lounge room, heir apparent Jason Dimitriou watched on from the coach's box as his future side never gave the Broncos a sniff, winning their second game on the trot and their seventh for the year. The Broncos dropped to a 3-10 and record and remain in danger of finishing with the wooden spoon for the first time in the club's history. Oh, no one wants to see that. The, uh, the, I'd, I'd be okay about it. <laughs> I reckon you would. The Bunnies were first out of the blocks with an easy try down the left side to Gagai. But the Broncos hit back in the 20th minute with an easy try of their own from one of the great names in rugby league, Herbie Farnworth. And I thought the Broncos might have a bit of fight in them. How wrong I was. The Bunnies went into this being coachless as old Shagger Bennett was banned <laughs> from this game after meeting a Tinder date. Unfortunately... At the same venue that Braithen Astor was dining at. Nothing but, to do with uh, Braithen Astor. No, nothing. Nothing. To do with nothing. <laughs> but the Broncos' defence was dead set, shocking at times in this game, totally giving up and handing the Bunnies seventh spot on the ladder, a spot that I am tipping they will keep come semi final time. Yeah, to understand how bad things are at the Broncos, you need to see the tries of Rabbitohs forwards Mark Nichols yeah. and Tom Burgess. Nichols. Uh, fresh from his Channel 9 cricket duty, strolled through <laughs> paper-thin defence for a try under the post just before half-time as three Brisbane Broncos tried to stop him by pretty much just grabbing his shirt and not putting their bodies in yeah, front of him. Yeah, solid effort, wasn't it? Uh, in the second half, the last remaining Burgess at the Bunnies repeated Nichols' efforts, barging over rel- relatively easily to score the final try of the game. Oddly, after the game, Broncos coach Anthony Seabold claimed that he can't fault the effort of the guys tonight. Wow. He actually said... Can't fault the effort of the guys tonight. <laughs> it was that Nichols try. It w- it was a weak penalty to the bunnies. I didn't see anything in it, but it was from ten meters out. They get a tap, and he just walked over the line. It was pathetic defence. Mark Nichols, good player, but not that good. 
Yeah, and the Burgess try. Burgess try the same. Just showed how far they've fallen. It's uh, no wonder that the Broncos have had a drama-filled week after this game. They're in all sorts. No one wants to be there, it seems. Well, we didn't win a couple of areas, but I'm really happy with the boys' efforts tonight. Really? Really? There's a three-minute patch there. We were competitive. <laughs> if you're happy with their efforts, where's it going ass up then? Because something's yeah. not going right because they're horrible. How much did they lose this one by? 18? 18. Uh, it's getting better. We lost by 48 <laughs> or something a few weeks ago. Uh, Dane Gagai has struck some form in the past few weeks. And once again, he was one of the best on the field. According to Full Crew the Boys Backyard Stats Lab, gun shooting Sean and his less dangerous brother, boot scooting Scotty. Gagai scored a try, the first try of the game, and proved a handful all night, uh, making nine tackles, 104 running metres, two line breaks. Get this, eight tackle busts. Yeah, get this, 78 super coach points. Oh, if you made him captain, he would have got... <laughs> that was a game that Souths had to win. And they did. Coachless. Do they even need Bennett there? <laughs> Demetrio? Do you reckon this is part of Bennett's plan? Yeah, well, this could be. It could Who be. knows? Um, Saturday. Well, what an upset. The Storm, 41, were just a little bit too good for the Bulldogs, who tried for 10 minutes, 10 points. Uh, the Storm showed off the depth of their squad and the value of a wonderful team ethic when they smashed the Dogs in a seven tries to two pumping up there on the Sunshine Coast. The Maroochydore Storm are truly warming up to once again prove a force in the competition. And despite having a bunch of players unavailable, they never gave the Dogs a sniff, scoring three tries in the first quarter of an hour, Sid. It was the Storm... Storm's 11th win of the year, and they temporarily sit or sat on top of the table on Saturday night. For the Dogs, their record for 2020 is exactly inverse to the Storm. 11 losses and just two wins. Yeah, you and I have uh, spoken about this during the week. There are the top four teams, Penrith, Para, Roosters, and this Melbourne Storm team. And then there's the rest. When you come up against a team like the Doggies, the good teams put them away. They went into this game without Cameron Smith, who was a pretty handy player. He's got a bit of experience <laughs> about him. They're all also missing Momorowski, Kamakamika, <laughs> Fanukin, Franco Lee, Papa Giorgio. But they put the dogs to the sword and even snapped an arrogant field goal to go up 21-4. to four. I love it when that happens. Important. I think it was uh, a very good performance by the Storm against pretty lacklustre well, as we said, opposition. No Smith, no Papa Giorgio. And then Cameron Munster was gone early in the second half with a medial ligament injury. And they still still get rolled by 30 points. Just shows how far away from a good team the Bulldogs are. Yep. Much like the Dragons v. the Roosters, Canary would never have got a better opportunity to beat the Storm, yet they were blown away in the first half and then equally pumped in the second. Uh, one thing is patently clear after this game, Sid. That Nick Kotrick sure loves a challenge. <laughs> well, that's why he's going there, former. He loves a challenge. <laughs> And a big paycheck for a winger. But it really You're was... Like doing a Rubik's Cube in the dark blindfold. <laughs> <laughs> Love a challenge. It really was men versus boys in this one. Trent Barrett, even though he is an amazing attacking coach, as seen by what he's doing at the Panthers, he has an uphill battle building a competitive squad around the likes of Lachlan Lewis, the uh, watchmaker, Selesniak, Marshall King... And some of the other troops he's got. Kotrick is Tolman. not going to... Mate, <laughs> mate, you are always critical you know, of Tolman. Tolman was trending on Saturday night. Yeah. That's how bad he was travelling. <laughs> he was horrible again. Kotrick's not going to be the fix-all for the Bulldogs. Oh, a bit of pressure on you, Nick. Yeah, but he loves a challenge for me. He yeah. loves a challenge. Probably won't see the ball for the first half of the year. <laughs> um, 
When things aren't going your way, the rugby league gods seem to be conspire against you. And so it proved the dogs sit. Last week against Parramatta, the Bulldogs were ridiculed for handing up an opportunity at an easy penalty goal and instead going for a try. <laughs> yep. Mainly that was uh, Aiden Tolman. Uh, the decision would prove costly as they went down by the solitary two points. On Saturday, it seemed they'd learnt from last week's bad decisions when they were handed a penalty from right in front in the sixth minute of play and the score at nil all. However, young gun Jake Alvarello shanked it. And I mean shanked it. Yeah, and it was the ball, horrible to watch. The ball went hard left off the kick and two. Laces out. Uh, the error would have set the tone for the rest of the opening half with Alvarello later leaving the field with a hip injury and the Bulldogs struggling to get anything right all game. Yeah, the armadillo had a day to forget. So did uh, your mate Lachlan Lewis, who threw the intercept to Josh Hadakar. He was lost in the defense, defensive know. line, Lewis. I don't know what to make of Lachlan Lewis because Mate. sometimes I, I like him and then other times I go, holy shit, he's got a mistake in him. He or... had plenty of mistakes in this one. He was running around like a headless chook. He tries. He, he bloody tries. He does try, but he got lost in the defensive line a couple of times. He was binned for a high shot on Munster. <laughs> it was a good high shot. Then uh, when he, he blew up Deluxe. When he came Box. back on, he... Got another high shot on Josh had a car. He's good at high shots, just not that good at football. Uh, the second game, doesn't matter. The third game on Sunday, no. The second game. I want to talk about it. Saw the Knights scrape home against a very brave West Tigers, 44 points to four. This is where I need my assistant that can come in <laughs> and talk about this game. No matter how you looked at it, Sid, on Saturday night, it made for ugly viewing for Tigers fans. I would have just got my assistant to watch it. Unless you're a KO Sports customer, then it really wasn't that bad because you just got a black screen. How bad is KO Sports? Mate, I don't know why you persevere with it. Let's talk about that because, I, mate, I, I thought, what am I doing wrong here? And yeah. then I thought, if I paid the bill, I'm on no dollars an hour at Yeah, the good chance that, um, that, would, <laughs> that happened. But um, then I just jumped on and bugger me dead, KO Sports was trending again on Twitter. And it I happens thought, all the time. Here we go. Here we go. And it always seems to be the game I want to watch. Well, you're in luck in this one. <laughs> well, you exactly don't want to watch this right. shit. I jumped, <laughs> I jumped on uh, on the NRL site to see the update and went, ah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Knights pumped the Tigers eight tries to one, winning yeah, by 40 points and humiliating the West team. Yeah, their, I know. And their chair-kicking <laughs> coach. Uh, it was a great start to these Knights' career for poor man's James Maloney, Blake Green, who was very solid for his new club, which happens to be his seventh team in his tenth season of NRL. This was garbage dished up by the Tigers. This was the second week in a row that Blake Green has beaten the Tigers. <laughs> that's annoying. <laughs> I don't know how many times that's happened in the NRL. Who's he playing for this week? <laughs> I don't know. I hope it's not. But Blake Green has forged a successful career, albeit with seven clubs, but the key to his success Poor man James is never having played for the West Tigers, I think. <laughs> and this, <laughs> they're talking he might be going to the Bulldogs next year. Yeah, good luck to him. That's, Love that's the challenge. Cool. <laughs> but uh, dead set, this were... We were dead set horrible in this it, one. It, I am, it were diabolical. I am done with the West Tigers this year. We're not going to win another game. We are so far away from being a top eight prospect, let alone a premiership force. I was actually really angry in this game, and I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm going for Parramatta now. It's usually this time of the year I start looking and seeing how um, the Richmond Tigers are going in the AFL, but yeah. that stalk-grabbing 
bum thumb and yeah, fucking like what can I do? Mess. I've got no options. Um, in recent weeks, I've noticed a fair few Kale and Ponga critics amongst the Knights' Twitter fan base sit. Yep. But there was real radio silence on Saturday night as he was easily the best player on the field, according to Full Credit Boys, Backyard Stats Lab, Pistol Whipping Warren, and his kinky brother, Tower Whipping Wayne. Uh, the Strawberry Thick Shake man finished with two tries, six goals to go with three tackles, two try assists, 194 running metres, three line breaks, five tackle busts. Unbelievable. Did you know if you captained him in Supercoach, you would have got nearly 400 points? All right. Look, I've not been critical of Ponga. I think he's a great player, but it's true. When the Knights have not performed, everyone wants to blame him. Did someone fact check that? I'm not sure that you haven't been critical of Ponga. No, I haven't. I've been sticking up for him. But uh, thankfully for him, West Tigers played him into form this week. He looked, uh, when he scored the first try... He looked around thinking, well, the video ref must be able to take this off me because he couldn't understand how he scored that try so easily. Mm. But replays showed the reason he scored such an easy try was because Mbai was defending in the middle of the field for the Tigers instead of picking up glasses at West Leagues Club. <laughs> this was an absolute shit show from the Tigers. Chris Lawrence's 250th game and coincidentally Benji Marshall's 250th game for the Tigers He's played 317 games, but uh, this was his 250th for the Tigers. Wish he was back at the Broncos. Well, after that game, it should be the last for all three of them. Disgraceful. Uh, Tigers fans will be quite rightly asking where this season has gone wrong. Where has this season gone wrong? Particularly over the past month. Just four weeks ago, they handed out a 48-0 to thumping to the Broncos. I mean, High-flying Broncos. Who hasn't done that? <laughs> but since then, they've lost three straight to the Eels, Warriors, and now the Knights, leaking 90 points in those three games. Mm. And outside of this week's game against the Dogs, they have what we generally call a horror run home. They see the Roosters, the Panthers, Manly, South, Storm, and the Eels. We'll be lucky to get over the Dogs. That second COVID wave can't come quick enough. It uh, yeah, shut it down. Shut everything down. Look, that time a couple of Tigers like started bursting some COVID bubbles. I said last week, that it would be the last time I picked the Tigers all year in a month of footy that was so crucial to our season. We just haven't aimed up. The fact that we played well against the Eels, even though we lost, doesn't matter. Mm-mm. Now we've lost to the Warriors and Knights. Our season is gone. I won't be backing them again this year. I'm not totally abandoning them, but uh, I'll follow them in 2024 and probably will go all right. The last two weeks have been disgraceful. We are now in a 15-year rebuilding phase. <laughs> Grow up, West Tigers. Come on. Give me something. I'd like to get the list and ask you whether they should stay or go. Uh, I'll just rattle them off. They're all got to go. All of them. Would, who would you keep? Uh, that's for another day. I sort of mentioned a few Might last week that have Might to go. do a drill down next week. Yeah, let's, let's go through the Tigers and pick out two players that we should keep. <laughs> One of which is probably going to go back to Melbourne anyway. <laughs> uh, the third game on Saturday saw the Panthers uh, beat the, the Raiders 28 points to 12. Now, the Panthers flexed some premiership muscle with their eighth straight win, Sid, this time against a fellow competition heavyweight as they dominated the first half against the Raiders to go into the sheds leading 24 points to nil yep. before defending their lead in the second 40 to win in a four tries to two display at a very, very wet Panther Stadium. The Raiders competed hard all night. And I'm telling you now, I was talking to you earlier this week, mm-hmm. they were pretty good, the Raiders. They weren't yeah. bad at all. Uh, but that first 40 minutes, there would have been teams, I'm telling you now, outside of the Raiders, who would have been down by 
possibly 30 to 40 points. Well, That's how good they were. It's because the ref got them back in the game. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, the Raiders competed hard all night, as I said. A few could fault their efforts, but Penrith proved to be too classy against a Canberra team still struggling with key injuries. Yeah, look, I just want to clear something up with all you Panthers fans out there. And Metallica fans. <laughs> I was. I just seem to be apologising to everyone. Um, I didn't say you couldn't play. I said you were shit. Look, <laughs> I was critical early in the year that the Panthers' attack was too one-dimensional, I think is the exact phrase I used. And there were games that uh, even though they won, their attack was pretty poor. I also said they should run towards that left edge and use kick out. Give him some good balls. He's a stroke of genius. Yep. <laughs> Appy Coruscant, I said he would add an attacking dimension that they desperately need. And all of these things I said were 100% true. It was all on show this week and more. Not only are they running kick out on that left edge to great effect, they now have Crichton as another option. Luau. Jeez, he looks good, that kid. Yeah. They were, they were faking to Coruscant and going to Crichton with equally Mate. Great effect. Um, let me tell you, if he improves for the next two years from where he's at right now, he'll be in the top 10 players of the game. Yeah. He's unbelievable. Yeah, it was a great performance. Luai and Coruscant are chiming in. And the Panthers, they look fantastic. You're welcome, Panthers fans. <laughs> My calls to Ivan Cleary, mostly late at night in a disguised voice and not very complimentary, have seen the Panthers emerge as genuine title chances I'm sorry that I've backed the Eels in all year and the Can You Feel It song has been taken. The Panthers deserve a song as well, former. Here you go, Panthers fans. This is to keep you going on this unstoppable roll. Great song. Step me through that again. Love of Judas. Love of Judas. Uh, the only time, sorry, the only other time Penrith have strung together eight wins in a row was their premiership year of 2003. After Saturday night, many Penrith fans were uh, hoping that history repeats in 2020. Their stats for this year suggest that they are indeed the real deal, Sid. They're the fourth best team in tries scored for the year. Yep. They have the highest rate of possession in the comp at 55%. Yep. They lead in set completions at 83%. Yep. Second in line breaks at 63 uh, for the year. Third in most uh, in post-contact metres. Um, and in line breaks all up, they're running second. Sorry, try assist, they're running second. And they're just so damn likeable for me. <laughs> I'm backing them in. This year, I want to see a Parramatta versus Penrith grand final the Battle of the West, the two great Western Sydney teams, not you, West Tigers, and I'm backing Judas in. Uh, now, if this game was a game of two halves, the efforts of Charles Nickel Clockface were also poles apart. In the first half, he made a number of bad attempts to catch the high ball, including a dropped effort, as well as a couple of uh, crucial missed tackles. But in the second half, he reversed his form, scoring both of the Raiders' tries, giving them a sniff of a win, uh, and finishing the game with 256 running metres and two line breaks. Yeah, they did well. The uh, As you said, the Raiders, they tried hard all night and a lesser team probably would have fallen away, but it wasn't good enough. The high-flying Panthers continue. Sun Sunday in the battle of the shit Queensland teams saw the Titans beat the Cowboys 30 points to 10. 
It is official, Sid. Yes. The, the Titans are the best Queensland team in the NRL in 2020. And if rugby league's going well in Gold Coast, it's going well in the Gold Coast, as they always say. <laughs> These truly are unprecedented times. Uh, the Titans gave the Cowboys a bit of a hiding, scoring six tries to two in a comprehensive performance that gave the Gold Coast team their fourth win of the year, uh, the most of any of the teams north of the border. Not you, Melbourne. Certainly not. Certainly not something that we thought would be the case at the beginning of the year, that the Gold Coast would be the most successful Queensland team in the comp. But here we are in this crazy 2020 competition. Their second and third tries were from pretty piss-poor Bronco uh, Cowboys defence. Mm. I'm just so used to saying piss-poor <laughs> Broncos defence. Crusty uh, the Clown looked like Kevin Proctor. He had a game to remember. He dragged four Cowboys players over the line for a soft try. He had a great game. 92 running metres from 11 runs. 29 tackles, two try assists, and a line break. It was. Did four... you see that when he chased that ball down that grubber and dived over the line, threw it back in somehow? Yeah, huh? Mate, that was unbelievable. Yeah, Krusty the Clown, he didn't give up on the ball, but Kyle Felt was actually standing outside the dead ball line and just had to touch that ball, but wasn't interested. And the Titans. Oh, I, th- I don't think he was overly at fault. He just. It just showed the urgency between it showed the urgency between the two teams, mm. and good on the Titans. Good win for them. Temporary Cowboys coach Josh Hannay was scathing of his team's efforts after the game, saying, "And I quote: The boys did the jersey and the club a disservice today." That's exactly what I just said. Uh, and returning five eighth, Michael Morgan, who was playing his first game back from shoulder injury, was also downcast after the game, saying about his own performance. I'm pretty embarrassed by my performance, to be honest. At times, I took the wrong opportunity today, and I'm extremely, extremely embarrassed by it. Uh, there are far more negatives than positives after today. Morgan finished with seven missed tackles and made four errors. Yeah, your game was bad, and you should feel bad. <laughs> he missed Brian Kelly badly that saw the Titans score their second try. It's only Morgan's third game for the year. Mm. They had a few players out, but so do most teams at this time of the season. They've lost their coach. They sit second last on the ladder. So it's been a rubbish year all around from the Cowboys. Mm. One of the forgotten young guns of the NRL this year is the Gold Coast fullback, AJ Brimson, who I really like too as a player. I think he's fantastic. Uh, He fractured his back in the Perth Nines. He was absolutely electric in his return game. According to Full Crew at the Boys' Backyard Stats Lab, Poison Dart Darren and his relaxed brother, Smoker Dart Dave. Brimson <laughs> scored two tries to go with seven tackles, a try assist, 161 running metres, three line breaks and seven tackle busts. Yeah, I made mention of him last week. Last week was his first game back. This was his Sorry, second one. Second. Coming back from a broken back. It's unbelievable. He has been great the past two weeks. They played well last week, the Titans, against the Roosters, even though they didn't get the win. But for them to back it up this week with another good performance and to get the two points, it's exciting times for the Titans and their new coach. I think it's a good measure of their character, mate, too, that like they, they were close to beating the Roosters last week. Yeah. And some teams will then drop their lip and go, oh, we nearly beat the yeah, exactly. Rain and Premiers, and then they'll come back and get flogged by a bad team. Yep. This team, this week, they flogged a bad team. Yeah, they were good. Uh, this is the last game of the round saw the Parramatta Reels kill my tips uh, <laughs> to win 14 points to 12 against the Sharkies. It was a close thing. A 70th-minute penalty goal was all that separated these two clubs in diabolical conditions at Carlton South Primary Lower Quadrangle Oval, despite the fact um, that the Sharks scored three tries to the Eels, too. 
The only thing worse than the weather was Sean Johnson's goal kicking, finishing with a zero from three. But for as bad as his goal kicking was, everything else Sean Johnson did was close to sublime. Easily the best on the ground, and, it, and as once again he led the Sharks from the front. The win secured equal second on the table for the Eels, while the Sharkies slipped to eighth. Yeah, it was fantastic conditions for footy. How good is it playing in the it. rain like that? It. It's mad fun. But when you're playing in those conditions, little things like pushing a pass, kicking for field position... And goal kicking. Not bringing your wingers 10 metres in off the sidelines. They can make or break you. Wade Graham put in an attacking kick that was stopped by Moses on his own 10 metre line. And when Moses scooped the ball up, he looked like he'd run 90 metres to score. Unbelievably, four Sharks defenders chased him all the way. Sean Johnson came from nowhere to bundle Moses into touch 60 metres downfield. It was a fantastic effort. If you get a chance to look at again in the highlights. Johnson doesn't even look at Moses. He just looks straight ahead and sprints and times he run perfectly to snatch him over the touchline. It pumped up his players. I thought Johnson handled the conditions very well. He kicked a 40-20 in those... I thought uh, everyone was saying uh, Moses was one of the fastest players in the game. Hey, you have a look at it. Johnson started well behind him and it was amazing stuff. His goal-kicking... Did let them down, uh, unfortunately for the Sharkies fans. In a good effort, the Eels, they just keep winning. And they won this tight one. It's better than the Panthers song, isn't it? If if Sean Johnson was the best for Cronulla, the best for the blue and gold was easily Dylan Brown. Oh, yeah. According to Full Crew, the boys, Backyard Stats Lab, debt collecting Carl, his less threatening brother, stamp collecting Craig. Uh, the young Kiwi was dynamic around the play of the ball and finished with 81 running metres, seven tackle busts, two line breaks, a line break assist, a try assist, and a try in an absolutely superb performance. Yeah, he was enormous in this one former. No, it's the same size. As he uh, scored a great try, but another great wet weather try was scored by this fellow. Mula Talo, who somehow got the ball up over his head backwards and scored in the wet. It was a cracking try. This was actually a pretty entertaining game of footy, considering the circumstances. The penalty in the end was a little unlucky, can I say that, against the Sharks. But they just keep winning, the Parramatta Eels. Uh, If players were racehorses, Parramatta's make a Sivo. It's definitely no mud runner, Sid. Much like uh, Mitchell Moses. Uh, The big Fijian flyer, trademark, floundered in the horrid conditions, struggling to turn and chase any time Sean Johnson kicked the ball behind the defensive line and lost a race to the ball with the noodle Jesse Ramian chased down a grubber to score the Sharks' first try. The Fijian flyer, trademark, was all at sea, pun intended, uh, when the Sharkies changed the direction of attack a couple of times, struggling to actually keep his feet. Yeah, it's a shame for him. He's normally pretty good, but uh, what can you do? But that's a game that really got away from the Sharkies. We spoke about them having a good draw leading into the semis a few weeks ago. We pointed out how they should be able to make the eight, something you wouldn't have thought about probably six, eight weeks ago. But uh, this is one that they will think got away from them. Um, They still stay in the eight, and I'm backing them to make the semis. But it would have been good for them to jag a win against the high-flying Parramatta team that just keeps rolling towards a premiership.
NRL news, and it's been a big week, mainly in Brisbane, but uh, we'll get to them in a minute. Yes, Let's start with a couple of stories, clear the decks, and then we'll just head straight to uh, the Queensland capital. Uh, Nathan Brown was announced as the replacement for Stephen Kearney as the head coach of the Warriors, and he's set to be joined by Phil Gould, who will take up a football consultant role at the Kiwi Club. Already there are rumours that Gould is looking at bringing back Ivan Cleary to the Warriors after he declared Nathan Brown looked tired. <laughs> that, that would be a coup. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I told you from the start that I believe Brown would take up the reins at the Warriors. Yep. There was talk surrounding the sacking of old one-leg Kearney <laughs> that a coach had been oh, approached to take over Kearney. there. <laughs> but uh, the person that was approached didn't want to be tied to the job whilst Kearney was still there. I believed at the time that was Brownie. And now it's panned out that way. I wish him all the best, but uh, he's rubbed heaps of people the wrong way already this week, stating that signing Jack DeBellin to the Warriors would be a great signing. I'm really disappointed in that. Not a good look in his first week in the job. He's not even in the job yet, but he's come out with that. I mean, even if you thought that he would be a good signing, you wouldn't mention it. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know he's going to test the market anyway. And I have this thing about this whole case where... Rugby league just assumes Jack DeBellin's going to be fine. Yeah. I don't know whether that speaks about the culture. I don't know. I don't know. There's no rush to uh, sign him. He can't sign anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Nope. He's not going anywhere. I just thought it was a little strange for Brownie. Mm, Disappointing is what I would say. Mm. Um, The thing about that is too, but there is every chance that uh, next year, 2021, the Warriors will still be in Australia. Yeah. Wouldn't that be strange? Mate, how are they going to how are they going to deal with that? Don't know. Like they got players. I don't even go want home. to think about it. Uh, it uh, anyway. I can't believe we've lasted this long. It's amazing. Well, next I'm year's glad old. you bring that up because the NRL has announced fines handed down to Wayne Bennett, Vol Porn, and a <laughs> Brisbane Broncos coaching trio, including Alfie Langer, after COVID nineteen biosecurity protocol breaches during the week. Bennett has been fined $20,000 after being stood down for two weeks after breaching the rules by dining at a Leichhardt restaurant. Uh, Vaughn has been, sorry, Porn has been fined $10,000. Breakfast burger for Vaughn Porn. Um, <laughs> did you see that he did that? Yeah. Uh, what a genius. <laughs> How did he not get away with that? Criminal mastermind. Uh, Vaughn has been fined $10,000 for his breach, while three members of the Brisbane coaching staff, including Langer, will be fined $5,000 each. Alan Langer's another one. He just went down to the pub. I've been up there to watch a Brisbane game, and Alfie Langer comes into the Caxton and has a beer with everyone. Because it's his birthday. Yeah, it's always his birthday up there. But uh, again, how did Alan Langer figure that no one would notice? He Apparently he went into a private room, so it was a room inside the pub, but that's under the protocols. It's not allowed. Exactly. Just don't do it. I, I, it's I not don't hard understand. to figure this out. If I don't understand that, this one is a beauty. Hit me. The Mongols in Brisbane were holding a function. That's a, 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 the Mongols. I had to check it up. I thought that was their soccer club up there, but apparently, no, it's a, it's a motorcycle club. Yep. They love motorcycles. Um, were holding a function at the opening of a barbershop when a bunch of cops turned up uninvited on Saturday. Uh, there were no crimes committed except for some bad hair cri- crimes against hairstyling. <laughs> However, what was apparent was that the uh, Broncos' Tavita Pangai Jr. was in attendance and in breach of COVID rules, which was reported to the NRL. The Broncos issued a statement on Sunday saying, Brisbane Broncos player Tavita Pangai Jr. has been stood down for 14 days after breaching uh, Project Apollo. The club has been informed that he attended the opening of a barbershop yesterday in breach of the protocols. I can't believe this. 
I, I can't believe this, but this is going to be the danger, particularly with teams that aren't going to make the semis. Oh, yeah. Mate, if you think this is the end of it, I'm sorry to Ned Philanders, there'll be more of this now because how do you hold a carrot to some of those blokes? Mate, some of those blokes only care about likes on Instagram. They could not give a rat's. Well, you can't tell me that this hasn't been happening all along. This is the other thing. I'm glad you, glad you when struck When Pangai Jr., he hasn't been sitting at home this whole time thinking, geez, I'd love to go down the barber and hang out with me bikey mates, but <laughs> I'm just not allowed. But you know what? I'm going to chance it yeah. just one time because I need a trim. This is outrageous. But, and it, now, now, you can get a haircut under the COVID rules. Yeah, you, you can't. He wasn't there for a haircut. No, exactly. Um, not here for a haircut. Um, <laughs> he was there to talk Harleys and other stuff that happens with Harleys. It's just, <laughs> it's just so dumb. But uh, I know all of these cases have come out of the Broncos. I can't say that it's a coincidence. The way that they're running up there is an absolute shambles. When the coach doesn't even return home for whatever reason, Listen, whatever reason. And I, I want to that, talk about that in a minute. However that pans out, but uh, to have so many players on the coaching staff and everyone involved with that club pushing the envelope, it's uh, it's a real mess up there. Uh, Brisbane Broncos head coach Anthony Seabold has joined three of his assistants in being placed on a COVID hold, meaning he'll be away from the team for 14 days. And 17 players rejoiced. Uh, Broncos Chief Executive Paul White said Seabold did not fly back with the team after facing South Sydney on Friday night because he was dealing with a serious family matter in Sydney. Assistant coach Peter Gentle will coach the team in Seabold's absence. Um, I totally get that if there's a family emergency. And there is. This, yeah, this, and that's, listen, I've, and that's okay. I'm not saying I know the whole story, but what I do know is it's genuinely not a good scene. Yep. And it... As Paul White said, I haven't agreed with a lot with Paul White's done over the last few weeks, but he said, I completely understand why he's gone, knowing the truth of the matter. And if you don't understand and appreciate it, then I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, right? and so that's, that, that's fine. That is fair enough. What I will say while we talk about Seabold, I don't know how many times you've received the screenshots yeah. of WhatsApp, Dozens. WhatsApp groups. I, I reckon I've genuinely received them 20 times. Yep. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Former, is this true? Is this true? Is this true? Let me tell you something now. I don't know that it's true, but my information, and this is only as solid as your WhatsApp group screenshots, is that a lot of that is not true. Yes. Um, players' wives or ex-girlfriends or whatever, that part of it, I can tell you, isn't true. Yeah. Um, the alleged other carryings on that are illegal, I understand are certainly not true. Yep. Um, and that's as far as I'll go into it. This this rumor, these these people that have been sending this screenshot for the last week. We, I told you this in confidence about eight weeks ago. That this rumor was blowing around. Yes, that's true. Last night I received uh, an urgent message from someone who said, "Listen," and this is a bloke who doesn't have a lot of time for the Broncos. He mm -hmm. said to me, "It's not true. None yep. of that stuff's true," and I'll go with that at the moment because. There's a lot of stuff in that message where I'm thinking, come on, man. And that is fair enough, right? But this week, coming out of the Broncos, I get it that the coach stayed here for family reasons and whatever. That's a private matter. It's much like the Warriors players saying, we didn't sign up for this to be away from our families forever and a Go day. Home, yep. It's understandable that that happens. Yep. But the rest of the stuff, 
people taking themselves out of the leadership group while the coach is away. Well, we get to other that. people getting sanctioned, coaching staff getting sanctioned. What a mess it is up there. It's a true mess because we'll get to the next one. Darius Boyd has stepped down from the Broncos leadership group after a disagreement with coach Anthony Seabold. The story comes as rumours of both Katoni Staggs and Tavita Pangoi Jr. seeking releases from the club. So he stood down from the leadership group and 16 other players side with relief. Uh, did you read that there's two leadership groups? Did you see that as well? There's an emerging leadership group and a leadership group. What if you... I've never heard of that What in if my there's life? a leadership group of seven and an emerging leadership group of like nine it's as compli- and you're the only one left out, you'd be filthy. The only thing more complicated than this is the St. George selection panel. <laughs> 63 Masons all standing around. There's an emerging selection panel at St. George as well. <laughs> um, yeah, again, what do, you, what do you say about the Broncos? I actually it's- don't think that's much of a story because from what I can see, he Darius doesn't like... Um, Seabold. Seabold doesn't been, like Darius. Yeah, there's been no the problem secret is, about that. The problem is, is that they're both lumped with each other because Darius wants his cash. That means he's got to play. Yep. And Seabold wants him gone, which means he's got to see his contract out. That's the only reason that they've got to make it work together. Whether Seabold would want Darius in any sort of leadership group, given that he has very close contacts with Wayne Bennett at the same time, is questionable at best. Yes. I, I wouldn't want him anyway. And I, I think the, the more... This is a bigger statement, the fact that this story was leaked as some sort of big scoop. While the coach is away. While the coach is away. Mm. You know, like I... If I was at the leadership group there, I'd say, listen, this is what we've got to do. Let's go have a beer with Alfie Langer and then go <laughs> hang out with the Mongols and sort this out. Get a haircut. <laughs> I'm going to get a sick fade. Um, <laughs> a woman has been charged over an alleged revenge porn scandal involving NRL star Katoni Staggs. A sex tape featuring uh, the Brisbane Broncos Centre was leaked earlier this week, triggering a complaint with the Queensland Police, and it was released without Stag's consent. Uh, Queensland Police confirmed to News.com that a woman was charged with the distributing prohibited visual recording and issued with a notice to appear. She's due to face Brisbane Magistrates Court next month. The Courier-Mail reports that the woman is 18-year-old Mackenzie Robinson, hell of an Instagram page, I must say, uh, who connected with Stag's after messaging him on Instagram. Yeah, well, I don't think this is anyone's business apart from the two people involved and the fact that someone can leak it, they should be in trouble. That's all I want to say about that matter. Yeah. Um, much like Katoni Staggs, Ivan Cleary's put his foot in his mouth saying that the decision to block lone player Jack Hetherington from playing against them uh, is con- and is concerned with his well-being as opposed to his current form for the Warriors. Uh, the Panthers take on the Warriors in round 14, but will not have to deal with the dilemma of coming up against their teammate. They won't have to anyway now. No, they uh, won't. The 24-year-old joined the Warriors last month to beef up their forward pack as they navigate through a plethora of injuries and push on after four players return home. Yeah, well, it looks like they're going to recall him. Typical Judas. <laughs> Give out a player. He's going well. Let's bring him back. Go, go against the deal. Yep. It's not like him not to hold a deal up. Yeah, exactly. Johnson, a step For the heavyweight championship of the world. This is a famous victory. Sports news. AFL, hashtag talk other games down. Richmond coach... Uh, Damien Hardwick cut his weekly press conference short on Friday after being hit with accusations of alleged sexual assault amongst his players. 
Um, pro- probably have to go and do a course. The AFL will acknowledge the crime but won't tell anyone about it. Yeah, uh, it was he, alleged he, by... He doesn't a, have to do the course for another eight years, though. <laughs> it was alleged by a veteran reporter, Hugh Rimmington. How would you go being an AFL coach looking down and going, is that Hugh Rimmington? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Is that George Negus up the back? Um, <laughs> is that Peter Harvey? Um, uh, it was alleged by veteran reporter Hugh Rimmington that Tigers defender Nick Vloston and Jaden Short were involved in the incidents involving teammate Mabor Scholl. Uh, two incidents were allegedly caught on camera in the change rooms after last week's win against Brisbane and the previous clash over the Western Bulldogs. It showed the Tigers singing a circle, singing the song, club song after a victory. The vision is being circulated on social media, allegedly showing Vloston grabbing at Scholl's backside. It was alleged the footage also shows Vloston grabbing at Charles Chole, um three times. Short alleged, allegedly was filmed grabbing at Charles Generals after the game against the Western Bulldogs the following week. But of course, in two weeks' time, the AFL uh, heads will still be talking about John Hopawati. Yeah, and Hugh Rimmington will never be allowed to report <laughs> on AFL ever again. Look, this is not a good look. And uh, he didn't look like he appreciated it, Chol, either, which is bad. This used to happen to us when we played for Morris Brothers every game. Can I ask you something? Yeah. And this will, this is a question without notice. Yeah. And we might take this out of it, doesn't <laughs> Okay. Do you think the guys, like Chol, Chol's an African guy. Mm-hmm. Do you think his race has anything to do with it? I feel like, in my mind, and this is just my guess to the whole situation and yep. football clubs in general, that... He's probably, from his culture, doesn't appreciate men touching men. Sure. And I feel like that them blokes have then played up on that. Probably. Uh, it's the stupid things that they get up to in footy club dressing rooms is a whole But dressing other rooms issue. when they're singing a song, knowing that the cameras are on them, that's all level of stupid. That's Mongol's haircut stupid. Yeah, it is. But... Uh, I- <laughs> I don't think you can bring race into it. Uh, People, I don't of course, a, will. I don't think it's a good look. It's I not a good look. It's not a good look. But mm. if you're get, getting grabbed on the stalk, you should be able to go to management at the AFL club. And then we laughed and laughed. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, they'll brush it under the, scenes, the carpet. I've watched it a few times with the pants around the ankles. No, I've watched it a few times. And I'm telling you, there's at least one official in that. Uh, circle that's seen it and starts laughing. Yeah. Well, he slaps his hand away like he doesn't want to get involved. Look. And the officials laugh at it. Look to the left. And Mm -hmm. there's a bloke there laughing at what's going on. Yeah. It's not a good look for AFL. No. But anyway, let's get back to John Hopperwadi, AFL. Yeah. Yeah. Or or Todd Carney. It only happens in rugby league. Yep. Rugby Rugby Australia has reportedly uh, set New Zealand rugby a deadline to agree to a super rugby competition from 2021. This is risky, Rugby Australia. They've gone all in. With, <laughs> they have. With, with two twos in the yeah. <laughs> Two keep twos. Bl- keep bluffing. They've got two twos and an exclusive um, broadcast agreement with Hoyt's Diamonds. <laughs> but they're going all in. Uh, they want New Zealand to agree to their terms. Yeah. Rugby Australia submitted documents to potential broadcast partners today and requires New Zealand to agree to the terms around a competition. So don't forget, they've gone to potential broadcast partners. They're gambling without I their own money. Is Fox and maybe Seven? There's not too many. Um, it could be. Uh, and they, rec- but they're going with that on the assumption that the plan they're giving them, New Zealand are going to agree to. Yes. Now, New Zealand. Dangerous territory. Rugby Australia wants. Who would have thought Rugby Australia would be so reckless? <laughs> but anyway, keep talking. 
Rugby Australia wants whatever competition that is established to feature all five of their franchises. All of a sudden, Perth's back in the good books. Yeah, exactly. All five that <laughs> they got rid of <laughs> one of them. Just propped them up for the last yeah. three or four months. Amazing. Differing from what New Zealand rugby has previously requested, New Zealand rugby want to establish a new competition from next year that includes Australia. However, New Zealand rugby would prefer one featuring uh, their five teams, all five New Zealand teams, yep. with maybe two to four Australian sides and a brand new Pacific Island team. I know. It's, it's, I can't wait to see how this unfolds. I, I think, and I'm not a rugby head, so who cares what I think, I guess, but I think a Pacific Island team's a good idea. Yes. A team that's made up of Tonga, Samoa, and Fiji. Maybe they play their home games in each of the... Um, sure. Because they've got a couple of good stadiums in Fiji, or one at least. And I think they've got one in Samoa. I'm not sure about Tonga. But they could play in each of the home grounds. They draw a crowd, let's be honest. What about New Zealand rugby saying, maybe only two of you mob? It's <laughs> so fascinating. Do they want Perth as one of them? Like, this oh, is just that'd even be better. This is just decimating <laughs> Rugby Australia. Who thought that they could hit this low? Tennis. Serena Williams said on Saturday she's pressing ahead with plans to play in the US Open despite a wave of player withdrawals from the upcoming Grand Slam over the coronavirus fears. Interesting, Serena only needs one more to go past Margaret Court for most... 100% if I was Serena, I'd be like, you know what, this coronavirus is pretty bad, you should all pull out. Now, her statement comes as Novak Djokovic confirmed he too will play the US Open while Rafael Nadal has joined Nick Kyrgios and numbers of others in staying at home and avoiding the COVID-19 epicentre. As it stands, full credit the boys' very own Sid Punts, the Church of England champ, is the ninth <laughs> seed for the second tennis major of the year. That is true. I've got a mean two-handed backhand. <laughs> it's the first time I've seen a two-handed serve. But anyway. <laughs> Boxing. Mike Tyson's highly anticipated comeback fight with boxing legend Roy Jones Jr. has been scrapped for September, according to reports. The 54-year-old was booked in to make his return to the ring after 15 years in retirement on September 13 in LA. But all bets are now off. Uh, RingTV.com first reported the fight... Uh, has been hit with an extended delay to November 29, that's wishful thinking, after Tyson and his people pulled the pin. The report claims Tyson's camp was responsible for the delay because it has identified that the fight could raise much more money if a crowd, a paying crowd, is able to attend the exhibition fight. Well, you'd think that's the only reason that he would come out of retirement for a big paycheck. Mm. Um, he's getting on in years. Be interesting to see what he gets out of this. Yeah, he he's looking a lot fitter than he was a few years ago. I hope it's better than the UFC uh, battle of the former greats in between Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz because that was a dead set train wreck. Yeah, you don't want to ruin your legacy, Mike. Formula One. Now, I just put this in as some sort of um, comparison to how rugby league is travelling compared to other sports around the world. Mm -hmm. Due to coronavirus wiping out their calendar, Formula One's income for the April to June period Crashed from six hundred and twenty million in two thousand nineteen for yeah. those three months. That's pretty healthy. To twenty four million in twenty twenty. Are you joking? <laughs> Fill that hole. They're rugby union numbers. They need Ned Philanders. Are you having a function or an event? Are you part of a sporting or community group? Do you have a birthday, anniversary, bucks or hens night coming up? Mare Inc. can supply any custom product you can imagine. Custom made t-shirts, aprons, stubby holders, cushions, shopping bags, hoodies, tote bags, vinyl stickers and decals. 
or put your business logo on a range of workwear. Go to mayorinc.com.au. Whatever the purpose, Mayor Inc. has you covered. Right, Sid, our next guest is a retired major in the Australian Special Forces. He was awarded the Distinguished Service Medal for Leadership in Combat in Afghanistan in 2010. He served in Somalia and Timor and was a founding member of the Tactical Assault Group East. He's the author of two books, The Fighting Season and Off Reservation, and is about to release a new book entitled The Commando Way, A Special Forces Commander's Lessons for Life, Leadership and Success. Popular corporate speaker, he has his own podcast called The Warrior You Podcast, it's a great privilege, I've got to say, to speak to and welcome to Full Crew of the Boys, Mr. Bram Connolly. Hey, lads, how are you going? You forgot to say that, and he also forgets to turn off the notifications on his phone. Hanging <laughs> <laughs> away in the background. It's the first time, anyway. uh, first time we've been yelled at for being five seconds late to an, an yeah, interview. Yeah, we were about to uh, send you a message, but you checked in with us. <laughs> first well, time. I like, I like to know that I've got my fire support stacks ready to go. <laughs> you actually said to you us... Guys, you guys stepped over the line of departure five minutes, five <laughs> seconds late. You said five seconds might as well be an hour, so we're on notice. Would we? The, how plan, would we... All, the plan all went south from there. <laughs> how do you reckon us two blokes would go in the army, mate? Oh, we need comedic relief. But I think <laughs> you guys have been killing it. Mate, uh, for someone who has had an extraordinary life and career, the working mm. title for this book was initially The Risk of Being Average. Uh, but after you completed the first draft, you had a change of heart, reworked the book. Tell us about the process and what the book ended up being about for you. Um, yeah, no, well, to be fair, my editor asked me to write this a long time ago. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just don't feel like, you know, what I could convey would be anything more than anyone else who'd, who'd had a Special Forces career. Um and then in the end, uh, obviously money talks. Um, <laughs> and no, no, seriously though, I thought I had a message that I wanted to get out there, but I wanted to come at it from a, as humble a place as I could. And I do feel like I'm an average guy, you know, average intelligence, average athlete, um, you know, average pretty much everything. And and I, I believe that an average person can do amazing things just by applying themselves and being consistent. And so... And so that was the message for, for the book. However, as I started to slowly go through and write, I went, oh, hang on a second, I'm actually pretty good at that, or I'm good at that, or that thing seems to be something I'm quite good at. And I started to realise that perhaps um, I'd been self-depreciating for a little bit too long and, and I should just embrace the fact that I'm actually pretty good at this stuff and the message is still the same. So it went from being, you know, the risk of being average to the commando way because I think, the commando way is very much um, seated in, you know, habit forming, discipline, understanding the second, third order effects of our actions and planning things, triaging stimulus, all those sort of things that special forces soldiers have to do. Um, and they, all of those things, they equated to the person that I became. Well, in the book, a number of uh, people from the sporting field talk about how this book has impacted them, including Paul yeah, Ruse. important. Paul Ruse from the AFL and Ian Pryor from Rugby Union are pretty important. But uh, what lessons can yeah. be learnt from this book for sports people and what can be learnt for regular folks? You know, to have Paul and Ian 
um, give this their sort of tick of approval is just incredible. And especially Paul Ruse, he's such a he's such an instrumental person to my my own leadership journey. He's one of those people who I just sat back and and watched over the years and thought, wow, that guy's really got something. I wasn't sure what it was, but mm-hmm. um, look, I think from a sporting perspective, in particular, I think around the frames of reference, um, resetting the frames of reference, I think sports people will will really sort of gravitate towards that ideal. Um, and then, you know, leadership, being an energy transference, uh, whether that's on the battlefield or on the sporting field, if you don't rise to the occasion as a leader, put your energy and heart and soul into being the leader, then you might as well just be sitting back and watching it all unfold in front of you. Well, I was going to ask you about that. You have a theory of how to persevere through adversity that you uh, call resetting your frame of reference. Tell our listeners what that's about. Yeah, so I guess early on in a guy's career, or my career in particular, you know, I went through SAS selection first, um, and it was the hardest thing I'd, I'd ever done those first couple of days and then failed that. Um, and then a few years later, I was lucky enough to be invited on a commando selection and training course and then and completed that. But prior to that course, I put myself through a pretty r- rigorous um, training regime because I didn't want to feel failure again. And then during during the actual selection course, I realised during the course it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Years go by and we're in Afghanistan, you know, doing carrying all manner of equipment, weapons and food and water across mountain ranges for long periods of time. And I realised that nothing we were doing was as hard as my selection course. So that was my frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, and now... Into the future, so I'm, I'm 47 this year, and I'd like to think I'm a young 47 at that. <laughs> I continue to, to look at these things and, and go, well, okay, it's a thunderstorm. Well, I should get outside in and go for a run. You know, feel the wind on your skin, feel the, you know, feel the rain smashing against you, you know, cower from the woman lightning. But it resets your frame of reference. I'm not inside sitting in front of a fireplace sheltering. Um, and then things like half Ironman or Olympic lifting, events, anything that can put me out of my comfort zone, that just resets your frame of reference. Um, and, and I think that humans have to continue to do that. You have to continue to build frames of reference so that as you get further on in life, you can look back a few months ago, a year ago, and go, hang on a sec, I've done something hard before. Yeah. Mate, I want to know, as a commando, does fear ever play a part when you're out in the battlefield? Do, do commandos experience fear, or and then how do you deal with fear? Great question. Um, and yes, yes, they do. And no, they don't. So knowledge dispels fear. So if you have knowledge about a particular enemy or you have knowledge about a particular type of skill, that might be parachuting or rock climbing or mountain warfare or diving or something like that, but the knowledge you have around that skill set slowly makes that fear dissipate. For instance, if you go up to the edge of a building and you look over the edge, if you're scared of heights, then you're scared of heights. If you walk up to the edge of the building and you're inside a harness and that harness has a figure of eight attached to a carabiner, which is thread around some sort of a, a system up the top, an anchor system, and you know that that uh, carabiner and that figure of eight, and as you go over the edge, is going to support your weight, then you're not scared of, of that height anymore. The knowledge dispels the fear. And it's the same in combat. First time, you're, you're pretty scared. 
you know, and then you realise that all of our tactics, our techniques and procedures work, and they work really well, actually. And uh, and generally, the outcome for the enemy is worse than the outcome for us. So that knowledge starts to dispel that fear. But then, and this is the reason I gave a two-part answer to that, then over time, what you actually have is your pituitary gland making so much bloody adrenaline, you know, up and down and up and down and up and down that burns out, and you just don't do it anymore, and you so you don't become scared. Yeah, um, right. And I, I do, I do think that there there comes a point when you've seen that much of it that you, you're probably not probably not responding chemically the way that you did the first time. Yep, that's it's mm. a good answer. It's an interesting answer because you're not a fan of jumping out of planes, as you mentioned in the book, but you uh, continually do it. Yeah, and you know. And I don't want to say I'm brave either, but I think that there's a, I think there's a difference between, um, you know, when you when you jump out of an aircraft, there's a bit of bravery required the first couple of steps. Um, and I think that I think that the amount that you would be ridiculed if you didn't jump out of that plane <laughs> probably probably dwarfs the fear of dying. Um, so that always seemed to get me through. In fact, I've got a pretty good story about it. If you want, if you want to hear yeah, the story, about it. yeah. Okay, right. So you're right. I don't like jumping out of planes. Um, yeah. Anyhow, so <laughs> I went on I went on long service leave after after about twelve years and and uh, went to it around Italy and the UK for six months. And I, I came back to work, and the um, the company commander uh, the day I came back said to me, "Oh, guess what? Tomorrow we're uh, going to go and do some parachute jumping out at Richmond." Yep, and I could feel the fear <laughs> dwell up inside of me. Oh God, here we go! And they're land jumps; they're not water jumps, so they suck up. Yep. And I'm like, yep, okay, no worries. And he's, uh, he's like, "You're going to come out, or you're going to find a reason to sort of like duck this one, give him the first day back." <laughs> and I was like, "No, mate, I'll come out." I said, "You know what? I'll be the first one bloody out the door." But really, inside me, I'm going, "Jesus, I hope something. <laughs> I hope that I don't get on that manifest as number one." But obviously, I did. <laughs> so, so I'm standing. I'm standing. You know, fast forward the next morning at six o'clock, we've eaten our egg and bacon rolls, and loaded up onto this onto this Hercules aircraft. It's taken off, and um, and I'm I'm at you know we, the light comes on and we all stand up and check our equipment and we shuffle towards the door and I'm the first one by the door. Now, while I was away, they'd been playing around with some ideas with the lighting system in the back of the aircraft, so it would be red. And then it would be green to tell the dispatcher in 30 seconds we'll let you out. Anyway, I had not got the memo. And so <laughs> and so when the light went green, that had always been step out the door and go. Yep. Light went green and I jumped out. And I, I heard the dispatcher like, what the fuck? As I went out the door. <laughs> and I, I guess it took about 10 seconds for me to open my eyes, which is usually the drill when I'm parachuting anyway. So the, the parachute actually opened, which is actually the first thing that I'm ever concerned about. So it opened. I looked up and there's no one else in the air with me. I'm like, that's strange. Then <laughs> I look around and I'm like, oh, my God, there's the town of Richmond below me. We're not even over the drop zone yet. <laughs> so, so I'm like floating to earth, you know, floating down, looking, trees, power lines. Oh, yeah, front yard, Volvo, dog. <laughs> Land in this person's front yard, roll, parachute slowly descends over the top of me and their car. I sort of like pull the chute together. and they're Anyway, they were actually getting into the car to take the kids to school at that time. <laughs> I'm putting the parachute in, inside, you know, stuffing it, stuffing it basically inside my um, arms. 
and this Land Rover rocks up with these two guys and they're like, hey, mate, jump in. I'm like, yeah, okay, no worries. I just walk out these people's yard, jump in the back of this Land Rover and we drive off. Um, yeah, suffice to say that I got the memo after that that they were mucking around with some different, you know, trial and different lights and stuff. I'm still to this day not sure what the hell, what lights mean what. All I know is I don't go first anymore. <laughs> mate, in 97, uh, you learnt that you'd be part of the first group on a new commando training course, as you said. Tell us about what's involved in commando training how difficult is it and how do you get through something so mentally and physically tough? Is it like the sand dunes at Wander in uh, pre-season training? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, a lot of us head out to Wander um, and train there. But look, to, to be fair, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that is is actually getting broken down. So you're being trained on things, but at the same time you're being physically broken down over a couple of weeks. Yep. And then... And then the commandos do a thing called demarcation. I won't go into too many details with it because we, we just don't. But it's a long, arduous time doing multiple mission sets um, with other with the other people in your team. Um, no food, very little water, lots of heavy weights, and you keep failing and failing and failing at whatever it is you're trying to do. Yep. And then you have to keep picking yourself up and going again and again and again. And that, and that lasts for a long time. Um, now, I was I was lucky enough to be the head of uh, selection for Special Forces for a year in 2007, so I got to see it from the inside, and it is, it is so interesting how it's been designed by psychologists and performance experts, and it's closely monitored, and it's, it's really interesting to see the makeup of an individual um, when they're at their complete and utter worst. Um, yeah, it's an amazing thing, and... Truly, there's probably nowhere in the world that can replicate that sort of adversity. Um, maybe the Mill Gym over here in, in Perth, they do a pretty good job of replicating um, the selection course over, but even that's just over generally uh, three or four days. But yeah, over over a few weeks, three or four weeks, it's a lot there to break it down. Mate, I want to ask you something. In sport, in our sport of rugby league, different teams play in different ways. In, in trained forces like in commandos, obviously different countries train in different different ways. Is there countries around the world that you think are better than others? And who, who apart from Australia, who I know are held highly in high regard, who around the world has the, for want of a better way of looking at it, the best team and, and the best training? Like who has the best reputation as a team? Yeah, it's great. It's a great question again you know really insightful the big four you know canada australia united kingdom the u.s and multiple multiple you know units within the, the u.s um are all very highly regarded and very very good at what they do yep um the new zealanders all they're, although they're a bit smaller they're very specialized um there's probably i don't think there's any country in the world that can bring the violence like the commando unit from Sydney can bring um, really? the pure violence that they can that they can muster on an enemy is just incredible. Interesting. Yeah, but you know, there's an interesting, and I mean that if you equate that into a rugby sort of league analogy, it's 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 violence straight after the whistle. It's just instantaneous on top of the enemy, no let up. Yep. Um, or on top of the other team, no let up. Um, as far as manoeuvre goes, you know, we saw we saw the Dutch. Um, 
you know, in, in Afghanistan and, and their ability to have multiple, multiple problems um, required for the enemy to solve and, and at a very at a very different sort of level than the Australian forces. They're very, they're very, very empathetic people. They're really about hearts and minds as well, but they they also do, um, you know, a lot of work with locals and villages and the like. So there's lots of different ways to, um, to skin a cat so yep, better yep, analogy. Yep. Um, but then you've also got this ever-evolving, ever-evolving thing that in in combat, your tactics are only as good as the last time the enemy saw them. So you yeah, have right. to be continually reinventing yourself. Same yes. thing might not work two or three times. And so it really is up to the the force to 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 look at their plan, look at the second, third order effects of that plan, mitigate any of the strength that the enemy might have, and apply our strengths to their weaknesses. Um, it's there's a science and an art to it, mate. Uh, because for for the common man, our knowledge or lack thereof basically comes through pop culture and through movies and things like that, mm. and we have this um, prob- whether it's a false belief or whatever that. Russians are genuinely cold-hearted and 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 systematic killers, and that the Israelis are, are similar. Would that be? Would their reputation in pop culture be true in real life? One of my favourite sporting quotes is by Mike Tyson. You know, everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. Yes, <laughs> um, I think I think that the pop culture has probably you know created that um, mystique around the Russians. Um, I, I, you know, we certainly came across forces that had had influence from Chechnyan, Russian, yeah, and, uh, yeah. In Afghanistan? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the Israelis are a whole nother level, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, I haven't done any work with Israelis, but I can only assume that coming from, from that history, um, you know, that would be very deep-seated in their culture and yeah, it's it's probably not a great thing glorifying war or combat anyway. But you know, to to answer that question, I think Hollywood does make it look a lot simpler than what it really is. Um, yeah. I don't think there's I don't think glorifying war is perhaps what we should be doing, but we should be aware of the stories and appreciate the difficulties that guys like you have. Have faced, and I don't think there's any harm in that whatsoever. And to hear their stories and their personal accounts is important to understand the job that you guys do and the adversities that you face. And I, I don't think that that, particularly in Australia, outside of the two world wars, is overly embraced where it should be. Mm. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree that we don't we don't really understand what it is that our forces have done in Afghanistan, for instance. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, on the same line, in 2001, you were involved in the standing up of the Tactical Assault Group East. Can you tell us what TAG East does in relation to safety of Australia? Yeah, well, they're the capability of last resort. So they're the national counterterrorism team. And it's exactly uh, what it says on the box. You know, they, they train day in, day out. They are methodical... Um, as I as I touch on through the commando way, you know those those they're one percent better at everything than everyone else, yeah. and those one percent add up to you know they're, they're probably one of the one of the greatest tactical assault groups in the world, and we're we're lucky enough to have them here in Australia. Um, and 
know I know how good they are because I rolled out of Tag East in 2009 and, and took that that whole platoon that was the National Counterterrorism Team. We all went to Afghanistan together, um, and they were uh, you know devastatingly efficient at their job. Um, highly professional, you know, no stone unturned in preparation, um, and you know they had a job to do. So for, for for us, it's like you know going to the Olympics, taking that sort of that sort of team into into Afghanistan. It's quite incredible, actually. That team was stood up early because of uh, two thousand and one terror attacks in America. Yeah. Until that yeah. point, we didn't think it was a. Uh, a priority. No, we still had a national counterterrorism team, but it was it um it didn't have the ability to cover all, all the bases that we do now. Um, and again, you know, I won't go into too many details around those units. Um, but suffice to say that that Australia is very adequately looked after. Mate, today, mate, I, I want to ask. These are the important questions. Are movies like Hurt Locker, Green Zone? And American Sniper, are they close or far from the truth? You know, sometimes they're, they're really accurate. Um, I thought one of the best ones I've seen was uh, 13 Hours okay. um, for yep. its depiction of just how crazy things can get in, in an urban environment with multiple multiple threats. You don't know if it's state-sponsored, if it's guerrillas and insurgency. Um, sometimes even, you know, uniformed pe- people aren't who they seem. So I thought that one was was really really close to the money, um, you know. And and I, I know that you guys know this. I went to Somalia as a nineteen year old. So when I saw Black Hawk Down, yep. the first time, I was like, bloody hell, that is <laughs> so close to the. Well, you know, just the fact that it looks like Mogadishu, and they had Somalis playing the bad guys, <laughs> you know, like that was that was on the money. Have you ever um, been? Um, have you ever been asked to be a consultant for anything like that? Uh, look, I've got friends who I give some unashamed <laughs> free advice to about um, how shit they look when they're trying to play a soldier. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dan McPherson. Um, Hell of a triathlete, but... <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yeah. And I know that for a fact. Hand me my ass a couple of times. But, um, strikes me as a bloke no, that wouldn't... Off. Strikes me as a bloke that wouldn't, wouldn't go well with the women. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be a battler. <laughs> Um, any, any guy who's lived with Robbie Williams. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, got to get him on the show. Him. You couldn't give us his number, could you? <laughs> I've got some questions. Uh, I'll, I'll see how we go. He's a bloody champion, and he's, he's, he's fit as hell, no doubt about it. He's yeah. one of those, he's just, he's just a consummate professional when it comes to, with strike back especially. Like, he, he really prepared himself for that. A lot of research. Um, yeah, but I remember that we met each other because he was wearing some uh, body armor the wrong way. So I just messaged him on Instagram and said, hey, Sue, sort your shit out. Um, <laughs> but he was, like, super humble about it. Yep. Um, yeah, and we've just been friends ever since. Uh, but, yeah, no, look, I haven't done I haven't done any movies as an advisor, and I think that's probably been done to death by, every, you know, everyone in America and the UK. Yeah. They, they all seem to jump on that. Um, my passion really is about uh, high-performing leaders and, creating high-performing cultures. So for, for me, that's all about, um, you know, what's contained in that book is my life experience and, and the life I live now as a, as a leadership. Um, you know, I use the word consultant, but it doesn't sit right. It's, it's, it's probably more than that. So a high-performance coach, I guess. 
And who, who have you? I, I, I want to come back to some other stuff with pop culture, but who have you spoken to um, that you can tell us that that uh, we, we'd all be aware of outside of the rugby uh, rugby union and, and Paul Roos? Can you tell us who you've addressed and, and who you've had a relationship with as far as that's concerned? Oh, from a leadership perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I do a lot of work mining companies, um, yeah. and and. You know, uh, inside BHP at the moment, uh, working with a really interesting company too, which is Komatsu, which has a, a Japanese influence to it. So there's a Japanese influence, but an Australian, uh, a large Australian workforce. So that's a really interesting, interesting job. Um, Watercorp over here in Western Australia too, doing uh, safety leadership. And a lot of the stuff that we do is, it's great because I have these academics who I meet through my podcast. And what I do is after I have them on the show, I then form relationships with them and say, hey, I've got these ideas around this thing I saw in Afghanistan or this thing I saw in Timor or, you know, or whatever. What is the science behind this? And then we sit down and we, we nut out, actually, what is the behavioural science behind what it is that I saw? And, we, and so there's no requirement for me to then go and get a PhD. I've got them all as associate consultants. Um, but it's, it's absolutely fascinating when you start drilling down into why people do what they do, especially from a leadership perspective. Mm-hmm. And that, that really is what the book is about, what you've learnt along, your, along the way during your adventures. You even talk about how you drill it right down to setting out your day and sticking to a routine, something that when I read your routine, I was absolutely horrified about how poorly... Uh, my day is run. I have terrible habits, but why is it important to drill down that far? Okay, we're going to unpack this because this is this is one of my favourite things to talk about. So, one one of the things that I understand to be true now is that there's thousands of years of our brains trying to trying to conserve calories. So, I'll give you an example. If you walk up to a traffic light and you you know, to a pedestrian crossing, you automatically go and you and you bang the button, probably with your elbow these days. Mm-hmm. You know, to walk to walk across, and you and then, and so what happens is you hit that button and and the the green woman light guy whatever it is will come on and you walk across. Okay. If at that same moment something vibrates in your pocket without even thinking about it to conserve calories, you put your hand in your pocket, you pull your phone out, you have a look at it. If you do that at the same time as the beep goes off for the lights, you step out onto the road. Bang, you're dead. Yep. All, all of that happened because your brain is designed to conserve calories. So it's, it's, re, it's responding to stimulus and it's responding to cues. So you don't have to think about it. But for me, I now try and live my life so that I actually think about every single thing that I'm doing. So, okay, I'm going to hit that button. I'm going to look and I'm going to wait. Phone goes off. I know my phone's going off, and I know that I want to check it. But I also know that I could get hit by a car if someone runs that light without me being present, without situational awareness. So there's all those sort of things because habits are so. Knowing on that extreme of the habits, you then go back to the other extreme of hygiene habits. We get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. If you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth every day for 30, 40, 50 years, chances are you keep your teeth because there's a compounding interest on that habit. You're not even thinking about that habit anymore. You're just doing it. So we know there's good habits and we know there's bad habits. So what we want to do is fill our life full of good habits that don't piss us off. 
that don't any longer seem a burden. Get up in the morning, make your bed. Don't have to come home to a bed that isn't made. I've never made make a bed, bed in my life. <laughs> well, you're probably married. So, well, I am. <laughs> and, and now I'm not. So, Mate, I'll tell you how bad this bloke is. He doesn't even know how he has his coffee. You, you actually, you actually say in the book, take off your pajamas, roll them under your pillow. I haven't worn anything to bed for years. I don't, I don't want anyone. It's not an image people want in their head, but so many things that you say that you build into the routine to create good habits. I'm like, man, I'm so far behind already. Yeah, that seems to be working for you, all right. <laughs> you say that. But I do think there's a, I do think there's a need for, for us to look at where we you know write yourself a letter you know whoever you are five years from now write a letter from that guy back to you now and yep. tell and tell that person where you want to be and the only way you're going to be there is the thing that you're doing now whatever you're doing now in your life will be the ultimate effect of who you become in five years time from now so if you want to be if you want to be someone if you want to be a particular type of person you want to be a, your size, you want to, you know, whatever it is that you want to achieve, you want to achieve that five years, you have to start today. You have to have plans for that and you have to have the habits to reinforce the plan. So you've got a, a long-term strategy, you've got a yearly plan, monthly goals, daily habits. It's the only way to affect change. Otherwise, you just go through life responding to stimulus. You're living, you're not thriving. It was actually something that I really took out of the book because subconsciously I do set plans or have ideas, but the way that you broke it down, it's like, yeah, it wouldn't take much more to get into a few better habits and have a good art look mm. at myself. For you, mate... Yeah, it's an interesting, yeah. For you, mate, as a bloke who hosts a podcast and speaks to people and you go out and you speak to other people and give give advice and, and leadership and inspiration, who have you had on your podcast, Warrior You podcast, available on all good uh, platforms, <laughs> who have you had that has impressed you? Uh, quite a few people. Um, Dr. Lee's not Bart. She she impressed me from um, from University of Western Australia. We we talked about um, having a disposition of either positivity positivity or negativity, and people understanding when they were negative, um, and and to be able to work around that. That was really interesting. Um, Amantha Imber from How I Work. Uh, obviously, I just nerded out on that one because it's all about you, you, you know your clothes hangers all facing one way, and you know all of your fridge um, justified to the left. Um, so that was really interesting. She's all about processes and procedures and and lists of lists and how many people waste their lives writing lists about the list that they want to keep for the list that they have. Um, yeah, um, who, who else is good? Uh, Jocko Willick was quite good, I thought. A lot of people really enjoyed um, Jocko Willink's podcast where I sort of quizzed him a little bit about extreme ownership. Um, and I found that quite good, although it wasn't anything new for me, but I think it was new for a lot of listeners. And he's, he's got such a, a big presence um, about him, but you know, that was a great podcast. You actually do say um, to bring, in, bring into your routine that you – take time to listen to podcasts. You mentioned a couple in the book, but you didn't mention us. I, <laughs> I did notice. Yeah. I, I, just, I don't like to give the competition too much um, free plug. <laughs> um, Mate, no, uh, I think, yeah, go on. I want to know, how good are you at paintball? Uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm all right. But you see, the problem with paintball, and, you know, this is one of the things that you probably don't know is that um, Special Forces use a version of that, actually. Right. Um, except we put the paint rounds in the freezer overnight. <laughs> So if you play, if you play paintball with me, bear in mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's one of those. It's one of those things where if, if in real combat you get hit, if you know with a round, yep. not paint, the game's Party completely over. different. <laughs> yep. It takes two two of your mates to get you out of there. It takes four of your mates to cover you. It takes uh, air support to come in to keep the enemy from overrunning you. It takes a, a helicopter to come in and pick you up. It takes a medic to put about three bags of. IV fluid in you. So there's there's a there's a lot of second, third order effects from getting hit. Um, you don't have that in paint. You can just basically walk in with your goggles on and just get, you know, covered in paint in your overalls. It's not yep. the same thing. Um, yeah, but the the tactics, the techniques and procedures, you know, would, would work pretty well. Could me and Sid beat you in paintball is what I'm trying to ask. Uh, you probably wouldn't unless I had a live weapon. <laughs> Mate, one more f- from me. In Rambo One, Johnny Rambo loses his shit and resists resist being caught by about seven hundred coppers. How long could a trained soldier like you stay out in the bush? I guess what I'm asking is, could you hide like Malcolm Naden in the bush for a long time? Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, there's no doubt. I mean, not being yeah. There's two. There's, there's a couple of really interesting facets to that question. Um. Survival is a part of what special forces are required to learn and do. Yep. And I think anyone with survival training in Australia, if you're, if you're, if you're somewhere where there's water, um, you know, you, you would find a way to survive and thrive. If you're being pursued by an enemy, the game's completely different. Um, you, you can't have fire. You, you can't eat hot meals. If mm-hmm. you do, you've got to put it in, the, in a kiln on the side of the riverbank and work all these sort of things out so, so the smoke can't be detected. Um, we're talking about a really arduous, horrible, horrible way to go. Yep. Um, you're being being eaten by mosquitoes, and yeah, and, and anything else earlier. So it, I guess it depends on depends on the setting. To be fair, a mate of mine ruined a whole weekend of war games because one night he lit up a smoke and <laughs> gave away their position. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first required to do that. Well, <laughs> Well, as we said, the book's called The Commando Way. Um, it's available now. You can also hear Bram on the Warrior U podcast. Mate, I can honestly say it's been an honour and a privilege to talk to you, Mr. Bram Connolly. You can find him on Twitter at Bram Connolly, Instagram, warrioru.australia. Thanks for joining us, mate. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it as well. And I promise I'll start tuning in, all right? <laughs> Don't, because you'll just be disappointed. <laughs> no, I love basketball, to be awesome. <laughs> We do too. <laughs> thanks, mate. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks, God. Need a sparky, then make the call to NDF Electrical. Do you need electrical work done? NDF Electrical provides expert service and advice on a wide range of commercial and residential projects. With over 23 years experience, NDF Electrical have you covered for all your electrical needs from the Gold Coast, Tweedheads, Byron Bay and everywhere in between. For a free quote, go to ndfelectrical.com.au. NDF Electrical. All right, Sid, let's do this. We all want you to go grab a mirror. Hoping that you'll change
the world a better place. Take a look at yourself and make a change. Yes, it's time for Grammar Mirrors with thanks to NDF Electrical. Uh, don't forget, you can reply to my original tweet around 7.30, 10.30 today. Uh, yeah, you're or, a bit slack today. Yeah. You should take some uh, tips from Bram Connolly and tweet, get, get your life in order. Tweet that, sh- that shit itself. I don't even know why. Yeah, um, everyone's got excuses. Use the hashtag, grow mirror, hashtag GAM. Another tweet around 3.30, which was 3.30 today. Good Same work, thing. good, good. Like I said, it's thanks to the boys and girls from NDF Electrical. Sid, I want to mix it up this week, so I'm going to go first. Yeah, go first, man. Grab a mirror, Dick Wally Hyman. What's Dick done to you? Um, well, Dick was captured, recaptured, I should say, and arrested this week after he escaped prison uh, the old-fashioned way, Sid. Mm-hmm. And when I say he escaped the old-fashioned way, I mean... He broke out of jail in 1974 and has been on the run for 46 years. Good for him. Now, this week he got pinched again. Um, Dick also goes under the names of, or known to police, under the names of Dick Hunter, Richard Hertz, Johnson Rash, and Sean Dick. Uh, And he's the reigning... (laughs) None of them would draw any attention. He's the reigning world hide-and-seek champion. And he was found in Espanola in Mexico by FBI agents. Uh, And he was working under the name in Espanola, uh, under the name of... Wally El Pino. Okay. Um, photos of Wally being arrested on Friday, showing to be dressed in a customary red and white striped shirt, blue pants, black rim glasses, <laughs> and a red and white striped beanie, which FBI agents say make it very hard to find you, even in the crowd. <laughs> now, originally he was put in jail in 1974 for a crime of, well, a number of crimes, actually, stealing money left out for the milkman, uh, and also being involved in some sort of sea monkey scam. Uh, and he also shot a copper in the face, whatever. Whatever. Um, Details. Still, these aren't as bad as the crimes committed to music by Australian band Powderfinger, but we all move on. <laughs> now, FBI agents say they're still questioning how Hyman escaped jail in 1974, saying at this stage, all they know is he used to walk out of his cell every day with a pocket full of rocks he'd drop into the prison yard. Investigations are still continuing, although they do believe his elaborate tattoos on his body could be a clue to his ability to break out of a correctional facility. Dick Hyman's solicitor, uh, Jack Hammer, said his client is in good spirits despite knowing he'll probably spend the rest of his life uh, in prison. Uh, he also let authorities know that he's currently not well and would probably need a lung transplant and a hip replacement in the next 12 months. Yeah, that old chestnut. Uh, FBI spokesperson Jenny uh, Tull said that sh- this is further proof that you cannot outrun the FBI, the greatest law enforcement agency in the world, especially when you're 77 and getting around on a bung hip. Uh, <laughs> and the arrest of Dick Hyman was a victory for good police work, although Ms Tull did concede that only government service slower than FBI at the moment, the US Postal Service. Uh, she added that it was comforting to the general public that the FBI have removed another dangerous felon from the streets and that America could sleep a little easier, knowing that a man that can only eat his steak and veg if they're confined in a blender is no longer out there committing crime, Sid. So anyway, grab a mirror, Dick Hyman. It's great to see that even if you're 70 years of age, you're not above the law, unless you're coaching the Rabbitohs. Equal 10. At Fordo underscore seven. Hey, Fordo. Grab a mirror at Phil Gould 15. Full credit to the boy's very own. Put him in it. How many jobs does one man need? Give a couple of battlers a go on Job Seeker. Put a hashtag Job Seeker. A chance. Hashtag put him in it. Hashtag Tamworth Warriors. Hashtag equal 10. Hashtag probably get blocked. There's a fair bit of um, fortune telling in that. Equal 10. Put him in it. Job Seeker. <laughs> Um, it is interesting that Gus Gould came out and said, I can do great things for the player management market and I'm going to become a player manager. 
and has totally abandoned that. What about the jobs that the NRL he was going to pick up? Yeah. That's gone. Now he's going to the Warriors. Equal 10. Of Jack DeBellin. At Lambretta GP 1971. Hashtag grow a mirror, the at SMH, put him in it. Good. Sports section on Monday for your thrilling Sunny Bill's lockdown diary. I ate something, I prayed, I exercised, I watched TV. Is this the new male version of at Beck Jugs? Hashtag ordinary boy, hashtag ordinary girl, hashtag ordinary journalism, <laughs> hashtag what the fuck did I just read? No way in the world is it as popular as our segment. Shall I play it now? Yeah. I'm just an ordinary girl. Sometimes I'm lazy, I get bored. I get scared, I feel ignored. I feel happy, I get silly. The very popular Beck Jugs update. Um, try and pick the connection this week, Former. Okay. With these three stories. Headline number one. Rebecca Judd has margaritas delivered to her $7.3 million mansion during COVID-19 lockdown. Can't you just knock one up? It's not that hard. She gets them delivered, probably for free. Headline number two. Rebecca Judd reveals the huge mess her four children have made in her $7.3 million Melbourne mansion. I saw the photos. There was a bit of Lego on the floor. Grow up. Headline number three. This is all just this week for Beck Jugs. Rebecca Judd sends her fans into meltdown, debuting her dramatic bleach blonde hairdo in snaps on her Instagram. From her $7.3 million <laughs> Melbourne mansion, she's just an ordinary girl former. She's got on the drink, she's dropped some Lego, and then she's got that piss she's decided <laughs> to change her hair colour. Good for her. She's just an ordinary girl. I'm just an ordinary Cracking song too. I've got uh, a new version coming up in the next few weeks, but until then, equal 10. At Stanto, 88. Hey, Stanto. Grab a mirror, Katoni Staggs. <laughs> careful, have, careful. Who would have thought that a video of a bloke sucking on a chick's toes would be the start of the biggest shit show in Broncos history? The only reason I put this one is hashtag Tovid. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag put your foot in it. Hashtag wash your feet. <laughs> Good one. Equal 10. At K Dustby. Thanks for being on board, Dustby. Grab a mirror, Danny Widler. No matter how much you brown-nose Sonny Bill, he's never going to be your friend. <laughs> There's no point putting Danny Widler in there because none of us can see that tweet anyway. <laughs> Equal 10. That's it's at Samson underscore Vaughan. Hey, Sammy. Um, as compared to Paul Vaughan. Hashtag grab a mirror, my dad. Veggie bake night on Sunday night. I stroll in to say I'm heading to get at KFC. He says, yeah, no worries, mate. Just a large Zinger burger, thanks. <laughs> Puts off the veggie bake for KFC. This is why you have diabetes. <laughs> I'm not taking care of you at, after retirement. Hashtag diabetes too soon. Hashtag rye bread soon. This is why we do grab a mirror. You can air all your grievances. Equal 10. Love popcorn chicken, by the way. Oh, how good. So you know good. it's back to? Hot and what? spicy. Yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah. Five pieces. Just I like was going to have potato bake tonight, but <laughs> not going to. Carb load. Um, at SR Woody 7. Hey, Woody. Hashtag grab mirror Mark Nichols. 
you must have the Rona because at the Brisbane Broncos, put a minute, wouldn't come closer than 1.5 metres to you on your way to the try line. Hashtag go and get tested. It was a disgraceful defensive display. We've covered off on that earlier. Equal 10. At Tool is God 777. Hey, Tooly. This is one of about... Um, Four tweets, very similar worded. But his was the best? It was the first. <laughs> Hashtag grab a mirror at former underscore legend. Hey, For putting Pearl Jam in the overrated band segment. Oh, whatever. Get your own podcast if you don't like our opinions. <laughs> Being a fan of PJ is like reading a porno mag in the news agent and not buying it. You're totally into it, but the other people in the store probably aren't. Hashtag even flow. Hashtag always like to sit better. Hashtag yeah. off you. Good tweet. No, I have to agree. Pearl Jam is awesome. But I will defend your right, former, to say whatever you want on this podcast, except the C word. I should have cut that out last week. <laughs> Equal 10. At cause for alarm, underscore. Hey, Alarmy. <laughs> Hashtag grab a penis at Ridgemont underscore football club. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Got to redo the jingle. <laughs> I want you to go grab a penis. Nine. Hey, we're up to number nine. At Darren McInnes. Hey, Dad. All one word. Hashtag grab a mirror at West Tigers and put them in it. Yeah, good. Slander you, them. You've made some dud decisions over the years, but bringing in Michael Clark might just take the cake. Unless, of course, he's coming to act as a kicking tee for Russell Packer. It's, it's so true. Just when I thought they couldn't get any worse, they literally get a Michael Clark in there. Eat. At efficient, not lazy. You've got to listen to this. Okay, let me concentrate. Hashtag grab a mirror, award-winning investigative journalist, put it in those italics. Uh-huh, those air quote things I like. At Lois Lane. <laughs> You've got at Clark Kent working with you at the at Daily Planet, who looks exactly like at Superman. Very similar. With glasses. Heck, you even showed him your lady garden. Put two and two together. Even a at Daily Telegraph journal would have solved this one. Not sure that that's true. <laughs> you had me until then. Seven. At Midley Mert. Hey, Murty. Hashtag grab a mirror at Midley Mert. Put myself in it. Eight. <laughs> For not realising the Roosters had the Opera House in their logo and it wasn't just a little something about Mary in the hair. Can afford 150k of Sonny Bill Williams relocation costs but can't afford 50k for the sales. Hashtag Uncle Nick is tighter than a nun's. Did you see this issue? Yeah. The Opera House is now claiming intellectual property, much like we're going to do with Fiji and Flyer. <laughs> trademark. We've trademark. trademarked that. Um, so people were discussing whether the Sydney Swans, their big V is interrupted by... The little logo. Yeah. It looks mysteriously like the Opera House, but they're saying, nah, it's the tail of a swan. I just keep moving. Fight that out on court. Goalposts and make, turn everything that's got the Opera House into it now into the Harbour Bridge arches until the Harbour Bridge arcs up as well. Yeah, good idea. Then go Lunar Park Face. Yeah. Then go. Jeez, you're smart. Rudy Hill RSL. Yeah, then you quickly run out of ideas, but it was good till then. Oh, fat fingers. Try again. Six. There we go. At blocked user 2217. Hey, Blocky. Hashtag grab a mirror at KFC Australia. Put a minute. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the pimpled, non-magnificent bastard teen who included 10 shitty wing bits in my 21-piece bucket, oh, knowing full hard, well bro. that my lazy ass probably wouldn't go back to the drive-thru to shop to have a whinge. Hashtag ripped off. Hashtag dirty bird. Hashtag still tasted awesome. You should um, put that. Did he put KFC yeah. in the tweet? yeah. 
They should get back to you. Mm. Give you some uh, big chunky bits. <laughs> That's a rip off, man. That's upset me. I don't know if I can go the rest of the five, five that we've got. At Ms underscore meh. Very good friend of the show. Hey, Trace. Hashtag grab a mirror. People mocking West Tigers for approaching Michael Clark. What club <laughs> doesn't have at least one Michael Clark on their board? Good point. Some have several. several. Hashtag looking at you. Brisbane Broncos put a minute. Put a minute. Good. At NRL Dragons, put a minute. And at NRL Bulldogs, put a minute. Hashtag even Michael Clark's more likeable than some. She wouldn't put the at Newcastle Knights in there, though, would no. she? No. Four. At Latrell's advisor. Hey, Trell guy. <laughs> Hashtag grab a mirror. At former underscore legend. He's a bit harsh. For thinking an apology was necessary after dropping that C-bomb last week. <laughs> it's definitely not the worst thing my kids have heard you say. <laughs> Hashtag no age limit on podcast. Hashtag fun for the whole family. <laughs> Hashtag docs. Not one of our finest moments, but it is what it is. Yeah, sorry about that last week. I shouldn't have said that word. Yeah, don't do it again yet. Can I have a go now? Yep. All right. Grab a mirror. Shane Warne. Yeah. This great, Leave it at that. This, Move on. Nah, this great Australian has Not done, great. Has done it again, former. He's in the news again this week. Not for banging movie stars. Or having a three-way with models in his Playboy G-string undies. Remember that? <laughs> or having an, affair, <laughs> having an affair with a hot British nurse. Or for having a durry when he's under contract for with a quit-smoking company. <laughs> he's not in the news for spitting the dummy when his Madame Tussauds waxworks figure was fat. <laughs> or for getting Botox in his forehead, which he denies, but we all know it's true. Oh, mate. He's not in the news. Face for, like an old wallet. <laughs> He's not in the news this week for blaming his mum for failing a drug test or for packing 35 cans of baked beans for a test series or for saying he wanted to devour Bryn Edelston. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple couple of feeds there. Mate, he's done some cool shit, man. Anyway, this great Australian has this week hit the headlines after unveiling his new fragrance. Oh. Eau de Warney, which ironically... (laughs) was what Brayden Edelston was moaning that night in <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> oh, dare, Warney. Anywho, Warney has released S23 by Shane Warne that is described as having a hint of Winnie Blues and ball sweat <laughs> combined with the musky smell of high-end prostitutes with a hint of baked beans and gin. But to launch the panty-dropping fragrance, which I imagine it is, Warney has sent us the ad to exclusively play on full credit to the boys. So here it is. What cologne are you going to go with? London Gentleman or... Wait. No, no, no. Hold on. Blackbeard's Delight. No. She gets a special cologne. SW23. By Shane Warne. 60% of the time, it works every time. What is that? It smells like a turd covered in burnt hair. <laughs> can just hear at the end of that all chicks panties dropping to the floor can't you well i've got a different i must have a different press kit to you what do you got well i've got s23 this is the description said to us yeah s23 is a mix of all the ingredients that make up australia's greatest leg spinner it features the top notes of a fat man getting the gin sweats mixed with a london whore's under derps the mid notes what's an under derp the mid notes are an unforgettable culmination of baked beans in ham sauce combined with the aroma 
of a baggy green that's seen 145 <laughs> test matches, many in the thick humidity of the subcontinent. I didn't know you were going to do this. And the bottom notes that linger long after the first spray feature that classic mix of old tab tickets and a strip club piss trough. Yeah, you got to watch those bottom notes. He says if this stench, just like you said, doesn't have panties hitting the floor within five <laughs> minutes, we'll give you your money back. Well, there you have it. Uh, grab a mirror, Shane Warne. You magnificent bastard. A great Australian, I think we can both agree for. No, I won't agree on that. (laughs) Block me on Twitter, He can do no wrong in my eyes. And once again, he has hit the jackpot here. Three. At Skeptical Hippo. Hey, Skep Hip. Hashtag Grab Mirror at Sid Punts. Come on, man. And at Form underscore Legend. All your shit cannings of Mal Meninga's culture review at the at Gold Coast Titans. (laughs) And now they are top of the... Queensland ladder. <laughs> Hashtag get Mel to the Tigers. Yeah, him and Michael Clark would be a real good fit together. Yeah, two Michael Clarks. Two. At cricket flog. Hashtag grab a mirror. Hey, floggy. Sorry. Wanye for taking his girlfriend to an Italian restaurant for some $20,000 spaghetti when he could have easily stayed at home and worn the Dolmio grin for free. <laughs> Hashtag start thinking with little Wayne again. Hashtag. Rainbow Kisses for Skinny Coach. Wow. If that got number two, what got number one? One. It's a very late entry. Oh, you were super excited when these came through. At Wig Lane. Hashtag grab a mirror, anyone that's believing this Anthony Seabolt at Brisbane Broncos rumour. No chick wants to bang an overweight middle-aged guy with bitch tits unless you're Ron Jeremy. Hashtag loves his stats. Hashtag 0% completion rate. Hashtag conversions, none from five. Well, I beg to differ, Wiggy. I'm still going, all right? We all want you to go grab a mirror. We're all hoping that you'll change your way. No message to be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself. NRL Round Preview brought to you by Bluebet. Bet Australian, bet with Bluey at bluebet.com.au or download the app today. Yes, Sid, it's round 14 of the NRL and uh, because um, our friend Andrew Ferguson from uh, Rugby League Project can't be here tonight, we thought we'd get one of our other mates on. Uh, welcome to Mr. Jared Condon from Reading to Play. How are you, brother? Gentlemen, another quiet day in Rugby League and we've got a couple of games to look at. <laughs> Oh, what it what it be to be a, a Broncos fan right now, mate? It's never been a better time. <laughs> those uh, those guys at News Limited would be struggling to write a story. They <laughs> <laughs> reckon it's ninety eight pages thick next week uh, tomorrow. Yeah, and they've got to get it past the lawyers first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more than one. All I know is it's taking a heat off a a team that bases themselves out of Leichhardt at the yeah, moment. Yeah, thank God for that. Thank God for the yes, for the Broncos. Yes, yes, they, that that uh, that particular team got a bit of a touch up last week. But yeah, I'm sure I don't we want to talk about that tonight. Didn't, no, I didn't didn't hear about it. I'll, I'll have a look into it. But um, let's start on Thursday night, boys. And Sydney Roosters are taking on the Melbourne Storm. Uh, the Bluebird has the Roosters at a dollar forty five. That's the well, the injury struck Storm at two dollars seventy five. The margin's only five and a half. Uh, Jerry, what do you reckon in this one, mate? Oh, I think the Roosters cover that with all these ins now. Um, Morris is back, uh, Flanagan's on the bench, and the big key thing for the Storm is that they're going to be missing uh, Munster and Smith. Yep. And uh, they do get Pappenhausen back, which helps. But at the SCG, the Roosters have a great record, and 
Uh, I think that five and a half is probably not enough. So Seems I'd certainly though. be looking to cover that. What do you think that uh, whole situation with Flanagan was about? Do you reckon he was dropped or rested or what's that about? Uh, no, I think he was dropped. Uh, I don't think he'll probably play this week. And there is a little bit of mail around that might be a scoop for the podcast boys that he might be a dragon next year. Oh, wow. Interesting. They love signing number seven. So they've got about nine of them there. Um, yeah, yeah. He wants to get back with his father, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's another story for another day. Yeah, um, I'm tipping the Roosters. Yeah, I think the Roosters are morals in this. Uh, as brave as the storm will be, um, I don't see uh, Cameron Smith's son, Brandon, carrying him over the line. <laughs> uh, we go down to Friday night. The New Zealand Warriors, the brave New Zealand Warriors, are taking on the Panthers. It's $6.50. Can you believe it uh, for the Warriors coming off a last start win or come off two wins? It's a dollar eleven. the Panthers uh, with blue bets, the margin is seventeen and a half. Boys uh, wow. in favour of the Warriors. Jerry, what do you reckon, mate? I think if the weather's clear, come six o'clock at uh, Gosford, uh, I'd be all over the Panthers to cover this. So I think winning their last date, their form's outstanding, a lot of confidence, and I do think the Warriors have got massive is- issues down either edge defensively and. The Panthers, I think, will be all over that. If it's a dry track, I think Penrith win, and I think they win by 20 or more. And I agree with them attacking the Warriors' edges. That's going in my rough punt later. Panthers to win. Yeah, I think the Panthers are morals here. Mate, do you think uh, Penrith can go all the way this year? Have they got everything they need to uh, to lift the trophy? Uh, yes, I do, I do, former. I actually backed them this week to be in the grand final, which I think is somewhere around $2.20. Um, I just think the way the, the comp now looks to unfold with the draw, that they'll probably end up top two, if not minor premier. Gives them, obviously, uh, after week one, which would be a home semi, if they can win that a week off. And then they're only one game away from the grand final. And they're yeah, just I think so, they're somewhere in the mix. They're just so damn likeable with Ivan Cleary at their helm. But anyway... <laughs> Whatever. Uh, the second game on Friday night sees the Parramatta Eels take on the St. George Illawarra Dragons. $1.24 the Eels with blue bet. $4 the Dragons. The margin is set, or the handicap set at minus 10.5 for the Eels. Um, Jerry, what are you thinking, man? Well, I went looking for reasons that will pose Parramatta here coming off a Sunday into a, into a Friday. Off all uh, that wet weather that they played in the heavy track last Sunday... But they're against what I think is a mentally fragile Dragons who next Tuesday will have their coach sacked. And uh, <laughs> if if those players have got a sniff that he might get the bullet next week, I'm not sure that they're aiming up here. So uh, I'm with the Eels to win. I thought the line's a little bit tricky. I'd probably go the Eels to cover that as well. Yeah, that's going to be my rough punt. I'm covering the 10.5 start. The Eels will win. Yeah, I think the Eels are specials in this. We go to Saturday, Cronulla Sharks take on the informed Gold Coast Titans, who are honest, if nothing else. It's $1.27, the Sharkies with blue bet, $3.80, the Titans. The margin is nine and a half uh, in favour of the Titans, obviously. What are you thinking, mate? Well, there's a lot to like about the Titans at the moment. They're on a streak of one, but they're <laughs> very, very plucky in the last couple of weeks. And I thought the line was too long. I thought nine and a half was very generous. Um, it'll be on a ground that's forecast for some rain on Saturday back at Cogra, which I don't think is going to suit a lot of points. And uh, under those conditions, I'd like to be with the side that's got the start. I think Cronulla probably win, but I think nine and a half puts the Titans right into the game as a nice bet with the start. 
Yeah, we spoke about that earlier, that the Titans have put in a couple of good showings. Uh, I think the Sharks, I've backed them in the last few weeks to make the eight. They will beat the Titans, but I think it will be closer. The only danger, I think, is coming off that the game you spoke about before with the Eels, being that it was a heavy track and um, it was so close, it might be a danger, but... I just think with the Titans having to travel down on the day and everything else, you still got to go with the Sharks at that price. Um, we head off to North Queensland to see the Cowboys take on the Rabbitohs. $3.10, the Cowboys. Uh, the Rabbitohs, uh, $1.37 without their coach, obviously. The handicap is 7.5 in favour of the Cowboys with Bluebird, of course. Um, what are you thinking here, mate? Former, have you still got those old uh, dusty uh, shoulder pads of yours? <laughs> Fiberglass lined, beautiful, beautiful pieces of work. Yeah, because I think there's a couple of guys at the Cowboys, the bloke that's three in on the left and the bloke that's three in on the right, and probably need a little bit of help, help this week. Mm. Um, I think Morgan and Hampton are going to see a lot of traffic. They, defensively, they were very poor last week. Um, they've lost their last six, would you believe, I think South a little bit on the up. Won their last two. I like what they did last week against the Broncos. Certainly in the townsville, same day travel in and out is a bit of a haul. But I'm with the Rabbits, and I think they'll cover the line. Well, the Rabbits were coachless last week. It didn't affect them. The Cowboys were terrible in defence. Hopefully they bounce back somewhat, but the Rabbitohs should cover them this week. Yeah, I think the Rabbitohs for mine. Like you said, the travel's the only danger there. Um Wayne's not on, so he won't be the first bloke off the plane as usual. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the Rabbitohs. He's at the seven o'clock early start at Big uh, Woolworths, I believe. Um, the third game on Saturday sees the Raiders take on the Broncos, who are due for a win. Whoa, 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 whoa! The Broncos are playing when? A Saturday? <laughs> Saturday? Hey? Unheard of. Um, must be because of daylight saving or something up there in Queensland. This is madness. It's a dollar thirteen the Raiders. That's right, a dollar thirteen. It's six dollars the Broncos. If you like those odds with Bluebet, you'll love the handicap. Nineteen and a half <laughs> goes to the uh, to the Broncos. Jared, there's no chance, surely. Ah, uh, there's no chance at all. And I think that the TV stations are trying to hide this at seven seven thirty on a Saturday night. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you, gentlemen, that with Bluebet last Monday, that line was 14.5 and it's now about to 19.5. Um, I will confess at 14.5, I may have had an interest to help move it a little bit. Uh, I think that Canberra win. I think they win comfortably, comfortably and I think they win by 20 or more. So right now, I think nine and a half is probably getting where it should be, but I think that the Broncos mentally will just uh, compound on Saturday night and absolutely have their pants pulled down. Who, who takes over from Seabold? Who who have they said? That's Peter Gentle, isn't it? Yes, Peter Gentle steps in. Who is a gentleman, um, but he has his work cut out, I'm here to tell you. Um, yeah, you can't everyone but the Raiders, can you? Yeah, I'm going the Raiders. Although they are due, the Broncos, I'll give them that. Um, <laughs> the first game on Sunday sees the Newcastle Knights coming off a big win against Premiership heavyweights, the Tigers. They're taking on the Manly Warringah Seagulls, $1.38 the Knights with blue bet $3.05 the Seagulls handicap is at seven and a half uh, to the Seagulls of course what are you thinking mate well a real tricky thing here for the Eagles is on the road and again still without turbo and they've lost 14 of the last 20 games when they've been without Tommy um, missing for Newell Blake up, up front some doubt about whether Mr Kapow plays 
the Knights at home certainly need to be favoured. Come off two very good performances. They were very plucky against Melbourne up at uh, the Sunshine Coast and then had a little bit of a walkthrough last week. A little bit hard to trust that they're putting it together week in, week out. Mm. I'm with the Knights at home. I thought the start probably brings the game very close. If I had to, I'd go with the Knights to cover. But I think that the start does make the game much closer. Well, I'm going the Knights. I think the Sea Eagles need to win this game. But West Tigers played the Knights into some form, (laughs) especially Ponga last week. The Knights will get home. Yeah, I think the Knights too... um... Manly are just, well, they're just not deep enough. And at the moment, they're experiencing those issues. And the final game, well, it's the blockbuster. It's the West Tigers taking on the high-flying Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. $1.41 with the Tigers with Blue Bet. $2.90, the Bulldogs. Uh, the handicaps. Bulldogs. S- I'm going the Bulldogs. <laughs> seven and a half. Oh, very jaded uh, West Tigers fan. I'm so angry. Uh, seven and a half to the Bulldogs. What are you thinking, mate? Imagine stepping into the Tigers at $1.41. Um, <laughs> guys, have you got the draw there? When did the Tigers play the Broncos? I wish. Listen, I, I, I do think that the Tigers win here. Um, I think they'll probably get a bit of a freshen up this weekend um, off the back of, obviously, their poorest showing for probably a couple of years last weekend. And the Dogs won't lay down. With the Tigers a win, tricky line. I think they cover it, but uh, I do expect that the Tigers bounce back this week. Yeah, look, I said I'm never going to back them again, but... I am going to back them, and I'm going to put them in a leg of my multi, which I'll play to you now. Well, the only frightening thing for me is is the Tigers have lost to the Titans and the Warriors. We couldn't get the hat-trick up and get the dogs as well, could we? No, but, geez, I wish we could play the Broncos every week. But here's (laughs) me rough punt. I've already apologised to all the Panthers fans <laughs> and I've uh, explained how well they are going and Crichton is going to continue his good form on that left edge. Crichton, anytime try scorer for the Panthers at $1.80. Yep. Into the Eels to cover the 10.5 start. Into Chard Nickel Clockface. That's $1.90, by the way. It was $1.90 to cover the 10.5. Chard Nickel Clockface to score a try anytime for the Raiders at $2.37. I'm going... The Knights, Knights halftime, full-time. That's at a $1.80. And if all four of those legs come up, <laughs> it's going to come down to the Mighty Tigers to get my five-leg multi up this week. You talked me into it. David Nofaluma, Mr. Dave Nofaluma, will score any time for $1.61, and we will beat the, bull, the Bulldogs. What's that all paying? That is paying twenty-something uh, dollars. My fifty bucks, twenty-three dollars forty-nine. It's paying. You've yeah, had fifty beautiful. on it. That's about eleven hundred and seventy-five bucks. We're going to win. Money for jam, I think. Guaranteed. That's what you That'll call it. That'll take that. you a long way on a bus, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and that was this week's Sid's rough punt. If you wanna have a rough punt, then listen to this bloke. Sid punt. Mate, before you go, tell us about this website, and uh, I believe you're in a little bit of a purple patch on the horses. Yeah, I think if you want to have a rough punt, you should probably listen to uh, <laughs> Jared and reading the play rather than Sid punts. But mate, uh, the website, yes, we cover NRL, AFL, and horse racing. Uh, our man on the horse racing, we're coming in a spring carnival. He's been in sensational form. I think he's tipped 17 of his last 28 as winners. So. 
you're not going to lose money backing those, and many of them at four and five dollars. So if you're looking to follow the horses and uh, a good best bet for Saturdays and during the week, just head to the website. We're happy to look after you, gentlemen. So take the tips from there and go put them on at Blue Bet. And I believe your AFL man has set the uh, the handicap at nine and a half thumbs up the date of all rich, <laughs> all Richmond players. That's a generous generous odds. <laughs> Well, he actually got suspended last week for a, a week. I'm not sure if you heard about that, but um, there was a little bit of a story doing the rounds. He'd been down the Golden Coast and got caught at a daily bar. Oh, well, yeah. There was a few of them like that. Um, with a very happy ending, I'm telling you, singing the team song. Mate, thank you very much for joining us on very short notice. We appreciate it very much. Good for a good, Thanks for the off-air chat. Very interesting. Yes. Um, and we will talk to you, well, next time we need you to come off the bench, mate. My pleasure, gentlemen. Always great fun to have a chat. NRL Round Preview brought to you by Bluebet. Bet Australian, bet with Bluey at bluebet.com.au or download the app today. Drop the sack. Open the sack. Empty the sack. The boy is sad. Yeah, the boys sack mail and feedback time. Uh, we'll wind this up pretty quick. Uh, we've called the tip and comp off for obvious reasons. Uh, yeah, geez, haven't you ever had a fall from grace? So if you if you are in the tip and comp, don't put your tips in this week. Yeah, good tip. <laughs> uh, Five star reviews. I don't think there's any new ones. Boo, boo. Go and uh, leave a review. We'll read it out live on air. Mm. You'll be like famous and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I want to talk about is the jerseys. Yes. We, we do have a few in extra large and extra, extra large. And we only have a few membership packs. Uh, there will be some stuff towards the end of the season that will be members only. We're working on that. And also, we have succumbed to pressure. A lot of other podcasts are doing it. And we're now doing it. <laughs> we are on Patreon. You're under no obligation to well, become a patron. A couple of people have said, how come you don't have Patreon? Mainly your missus and, and uh, the former cheerleader. <laughs> no, but... this happens at the end of every season. People contact me and say, where can we send some vouchers and stuff? And we cop a whole uh, – I probably shouldn't have told you this. because <laughs> I've never seen it. I never share them with you. But, yeah, people send us beers and uh, vouchers. Um, keeps me going through the summer months. Mm. Uh, so we now have a Patreon account. Go to patreon.com forward slash FCTTB if you want. Whatever. Otherwise, I don't care. We'll try and work out something. If um, if this has any interest, we'll try and do something for the people who do uh, do- donate. Yes. Is that what it is? Is that the, what they call a donation? Yeah, become a patron, yep. I think is the nice way of saying it. Okay. Uh, we already worked on last week. We didn't know why we were doing it, but we started doing a few former legend story times. Not the porno version that we no. used to do. Just general stories from your crazy life that you've had that we don't normally share on the podcast we've recorded a couple of those so they'll probably go up when i figure out how to work out this patreon stuff so go on there patreon.com forward slash fcttb there'll be more and more content on there as we go along yeah i think thank uh, you for all your support otherwise yeah and if you haven't donated why not yeah um is there anything else we need to do? No, I think we should uh, walk on into the sunset. I just want to say one last thing before we go. Mm. You really make me sick with your fraudulent behaviour. You're going to make me flip, then an army couldn't save you. 
Why don't you behave, you little rug rat? Take a little tip from the tabloid, because I know I'm not paranoid. Good night. See ya. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina wants to quit. You really make me sick with your fraudulent behavior. You're gonna make me flip and then an army couldn't save you. Why don't you behave, you little rug rat? Take a little tip from the tabloid, because I know I'm not paranoid. When I say I saw you trying to mock me, now you and your crew are on a mission trying to hawk me. But it isn't happening, you fraudulent foes. You used to front big time, now I suppose that everything's cool since the style of apparel you adopted. You used to make fun of, but now you want to rock it. So you gotta keep Got places to go and people to see. I gotta know what you're doing with me. Action, baby, am I gonna see some action?